It's the Kivecast! The Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, and Steven B. Denny. Market data by Brisbane Brisbane Mike and Fratastic Pete. Tech support by The Lowmark. Let's go, space freaks. On this month's Kivecast, Sky and Steve talk about the serial killer bounty hunter Forlom and his mysterious debut. Later, they are joined by Bill Wills and Fratastic Pete to have a very in-depth talk about mailers and bagged Kenner figures, also known as baggies. My baggies! Plus, a competitive market watch and the first ever on-air purchase on this month's Vintage Pod. My baggies! Wampa Wampa! Welcome to Kivecast 74. Yeah, we're going to talk about Forlom. (laughs) <laughs> it's our last Empire figure, right? Yes. Next episode, oh. we'll be talking about... <laughs> <laughs> that's how you say Admiral uh, Akbar and Mont Calamari. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's been... Uh, I've had a tough day, Steve. It's, it's included my dog biting me. It's included being sick and overdosing on antihistamines. Uh, it's included that same dog completely destroying my uh, couch... <laughs> um, but you know, nothing brings me happiness like recording the Kivecast. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was hoping that that this would kind of lift your spirits a little bit, right? <laughs> I've I've actually got a kind of a sore throat. So while you're talking, Steve, I actually have a, a fudgicle, which I love fudgicles, by the way. Oh. Um, I have a fudgicle in my hand, and so every every time you talk, I just eat a fudge. Well, that's kind of homoerotic. But every time you talk, I have some uh, fudgicle. So uh, so you want? How, how are you doing, Steve? While I eat some fudgicle. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Uh, better, better day than you, but uh, yeah, it feels like uh, wasn't that long ago we were recording. So this is it's kind of fun to feel like we're just right back at it. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because the summer for me can either be way easier to record and edit a podcast or way harder. So this month it's actually been a fair amount easier. Um, I've, I felt like I was able to record a little bit. Kind of had I sent out some questions ahead of time. Um, so I feel actually really prepared, which, which, yeah. which scares me. I feel like it's going to throw <laughs> off the, uh, the rhythm of the show. Uh, I don't think so. Don't, no, no fear, Sky. It's, it's going to be fine. But speaking of throwing off the rhythm of the show, uh, you haven't heard it yet, Steve, but I, I, I recorded a new intro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I just, I'm curious to hear. Basically, I'm kind of skipping to the point a little bit more. Um, we don't need like four and a half minutes of Kenner quotes or whatever. Uh, I just boiled it down to Star Wars toys. Star Wars toys. And Wampa. And, that, and that's about it. Um, and then just <laughs> the basically. The bare essentials. Yeah, the, the bare essentials. Because I, I think we just go. I think we went too far with the first two. And by we, I mean me. But yeah, I was thinking about putting our feedback up front. Oh, um, sure. Well, mainly it's a tale of two feedbacks. Okay, that's that's true. Yeah. So the feedback to episode seventy-two, you know, a very solid episode. If you want brief and bring bring the zuckus, you know, got maybe a half a page on Rebel Scum, but then for some reason the feedback on episode seventy-three went on (laughs) for six pages. The whole internet wanted to know about Kivecast 73. All of a sudden, Steve, everybody wants to know about our show. Controversy. 
Con- <laughs> controversy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think I explained it well enough uh, why we why we didn't air the fluffy interview. Right. Um, yeah. But I did get a little demoralized, Steve, when I found out that people were bootlegging our show. <laughs> yeah, I did catch I did catch your response to that, and uh, <laughs> luckily the the one that was I guess the only one I'd seen that was kind of public they they took it down, which which is good. But um, <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't mind people like sending it. You know, I, mean, I understand people are going to send it and they really yeah, want to hear. Yeah. And that's right. like, I can't really stop that. But hosting it as being like, hey, everybody, come over here and get it. That's kind of against the, the spirit of the show. Right. Yeah. And the most frustrating thing is, for the most part, I've got nothing but totally glowing reviews on the uh, Kivecast After Dark. <laughs> but but <laughs> then again, people also really like the interview with Jonathan Robinson. So yeah, yeah. And did you get a chance to uh, to catch his uh, documentary yet? I did. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was funny because he asked me like a week ago, and then I said I hadn't watched it yet, and yeah. then I watched it and I forgot to email him. <laughs> so he's a loyal space freak. So here's my review. It's good. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, we just uh, watched it the other night. I, I need to rewatch Close Encounters again. So you you had done that before. I, I should have done that. I just didn't have time. But yeah, it's it's a little bit more engaging if you understand the scenes that they're pointing out. Yeah, you know, yeah. This is the train station, and this is the hangar, and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's as much as we're going to get into to to feedback. I mean, we there was a lot of like conspiracy theories about. <laughs> Why did we really pull it down and what's really going on? Uh, I think the idea is I hope that we're going to get Ron and Chris and Fluffy mm-hmm. all on to tell those stories in a way that's perhaps less um, – what's the word? Embellished? Um, Maybe. Yeah, that, that's one word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a little bit less vulgar. We'll just we'll just say that. It's Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back action figures, forty-seven in all, each sold separately. Here's new Bespin guard, Adat commander, and Imperial Tie fighter pilot. Now you can get this new four LOM action figure free for five proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Offer expires August thirty-first, nineteen eighty-two. New Bespin Guard, new Adat Commander, new Imperial Tie Fighter Pilot, each sold separately from Kenner Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back collection. What, what is our figure of the month, Steve? Good old four LOM or four LOM. This new four LOM action figure free. Now, what have you always said, Steve? I, I have always said four long, but I think it's mainly just because that's just easier to say. Um, I, I mean, I honestly hadn't seen the, the Kentner commercial, which which says otherwise until, you know, relatively recently. So I was always four long. But what about you? Well, this is weird, Steve. Um, I agree. <laughs> I've never agreed with you on any kind of pronunciation most, thing. Most of the time. Yeah, you're right. This is this is first. Yeah, no, I've always said Forlom. Okay. And uh, I was actually toying around with making a song, uh, For to the Izel, O to the uh, Mize. <laughs> um, but you will be thankful to know that I will not be making oh, that. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well. But yeah, for lom just... It doesn't it, sound right, right? I don't yeah, know. it just doesn't make sense. But I guess it makes sense with C-3PO or... Yeah, with with the logic of, of uh, other droid pronunciation, I guess. But but that kind of goes into uh, the other thing we're going to be talking about this month, Steve, mm-hmm. um, which are baggies. Yes, yeah. 
Um, and I sort of thought about Baggies because I was thinking about Forlom. We're just going to call him Forlom because okay. that's his name. All right. Um, I was thinking about Forlom and I was thinking about how he was a mail-away offer. Right. You know? Yeah. And he's, he's one of our last mail-away offers. Mm-hmm. And I started watching all of the videos of the commercials. Yeah. And it's pretty cool because I've noticed there's a lot of similarities. If you watch all the vintage mail-away commercials, mm-hmm. first of all, unlike the rest of them, they are not like uh, kids playing. Right. It's always right. a single figure standing in front of a large assemblage of yes. figures. Right. Every single one of them wears wide lapels and V-neck sweaters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, just watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, they get younger and younger as you go through. Yeah, that's it right. actually starts, and I, I want to confirm this, but I believe that uh, for the Boba Fett one, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, the first commercial for the Mail-Away, I believe it's actually the voice who does, you know, new from Kenner. The, the, main, I, the main voice, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe that's actually him talking. I so think, I'd love to I have... Think you're... Uh, from Kenner's Star Wars collection comes the Stormtrooper, the Sand People, and all 20 action figures, including new Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, and more, each sold separately. And now Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. And and then you just get all these wrong pronunciations, like Nine Numb. New action figure not yet available in stores. It's Nine Numb. Adat Commander. Adat Commander. And four. Four LOM. And four LOM. All these incorrect. God. Right. It just screwing up left and right. Because Steve, you agreed with me earlier in the episode that it's four LOM, not four LOM. <laughs> and the reason that you thought that the reason that you think it could be four LOM is because of the commercials. Ipso facto, nine num is incorrect because it's in the commercials, and uh, ad ad driver is incorrect because it's in the commercials. Right. Book it. I may be sick, but I am on point. <laughs> Uh, and then if you just watch them, there's all these weird prototypes. Yeah, um, yeah. Like in the in the Nyan Nub one, like there's this weird Chewy I've never seen before. Huh. Um, in the the one for the Bosk offer, it's like it's very visibly a proof card. Mm-hmm. It's a Sand People proof card. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we've talked a little bit about the mail-away commercials. But that just sort of got me going down this path of like how do we approach 4LOM? How do we bring something new to the episode? Right, right. And I realized, Steve, I don't know anything about baggies. Yeah, n- neither do I. <laughs> so I mean, um, I mean nothing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, ser- I'm serious. I mean, yeah. I know nothing. I knew that there I were so there were a lot of a lot of variations, but as far as telling one from the other, I, you couldn't. I couldn't do it. So. And I think we've we've gone over variations. We've mm-hmm. done a little bit of mailers. Right. We've done other things that you and I don't know about. But we've just been afraid of baggies. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking to, to Bill Wills. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he's the best collector whose name rhymes. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll be speaking to our very own Fantastic Pete yes. all, ab- all about baggies. I realize, Steve, I actually don't think we can talk about all baggies. <laughs> because I just started dipping my toe. I went into the, the Facebook baggy group oh my god i didn't even think about that yeah and i started looking around Uh and i discovered this guide to european baggies oh man that's Um, right that's a whole other realm i meet frank muse on the star wars forum uk yeah and and it's like it's like it is more information than we are going to get to today yeah so yeah we are going to be talking about kenner u.s baggies right we might touch on a couple of foreign baggies Mm -hmm. but it turns out there's a huge story oh yeah um, now, what do you think about the term baggies, Steve? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I always 
I don't think I associated it with anything else other than vintage Star Wars collecting. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I don't think I've used the term baggy or like associated with anything out in like regular life. It's just, I just think of Star Wars figures. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, of other like widely used terminology in the Kenner collecting, like in vintage collecting. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, um,. Troopies! Oh, that was just teed up, right? <laughs> oh, Steve. Just, oh. I'm on fire. So, Steve, I am totally in on Facebook now. I, I love I it. Can, I bet I people can see can, that. <laughs> people can go back and, and, and listen to the episodes like two years ago where I'm, I'm complaining about Facebook. I'm all about it, Steve. I've been having you're, more you're fun. You're completely uh, utilizing that, that medium to, your, to, to spread your message. That's... that's... <laughs> So, so for those of you that didn't listen to last month's episode, um, I just think it's really funny. There's all these annoying terms in the hobby that we hate. And so I thought, what if I created one? <laughs> and what if I was able to get it to actually spread? <sighs> and so I created troopies to describe stormtroopers. Mm. I made a series of memes that, be honest, Steve, they're quite well designed. Oh, they're, they're you know... That's a lot of effort you put into this thing. This is the diabolical part about the meme, Steve. Mm -hmm. Not only did I start a meme that said real vintage trooper, real vintage collectors call them troopies. Right. Which is just great because like, wait, what? No, we don't. <laughs> I also started the hashtag never troopy movement. Uh, so like Palpatine, I manipulated both sides. You did. And by creating resistance, I thereby validated the existence of troopies in the first place. <sighs> and now, Steve, troopies are a thing. They are officially a thing. <laughs> and sand uh, and uh, snow troopers are now officially snoopies. <laughs> and scout troopers are scoopies. Mm. This has happened, Steve. So mm. Uh, you are welcome, Vintage Hobby. This is the guy. This is Stephen Danley's contribution to collecting. <laughs> yes, fully endorsed. Not <laughs> you're not. You're, you're like Jar Jar. You're like Dello Felagets. Oh, Give no. emergency powers to Sky I, Pain yep, to that, create that was, troopies. Uh, yep, that's exactly what this is. Uh, oh uh, Lord! All right, let's get back to Forlom. Yes, Steve. yes. Let's get back to Forlom here. Do you have any uh, thoughts about the figures? Um, I, I will say that like a lot of kind of the obscure figures, when I first found one, I didn't quite know who he was. Um, I just didn't, I had no idea. Um, but one thing I, I kind of thought about was that the first one I had, <laughs> this is probably one reason I was confused. He didn't have the cloak or his like armor. It was just this right. kind of really non-intimidating bug alien <laughs> thing. Like, what is this? The cantina guy? And I had no idea that he was the bounty hunter until I found the complete one and saw the card back and all that later. Um, but yeah, now, I, I, I would like to put forth yeah. that Forlom is the stupidest looking character without his cape. Yes, that's, that's, that's actually, yeah. What I'd written down just as a note was that he goes from like kind of one of the more intimidating figures to the least intimidating once you take his, his like cloak and, and armor away. Because he's, he's sort of got, like, that Lobot blouse thing yeah, going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then he has, like, there's just no paint. It's, like, totally monochrome. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like, that. He has, like, a little flower on his belt buckle. <laughs> yeah. And he just looks like a 70s nightmare. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. <laughs> well, that actually ties into my first Sky Coup, Steve. Okay. All right. This is about the figure. Okay. Sandy Overcoat. Black Nose is a telephone. 
monochrome jumpsuit. <laughs> I like the, the nose. That's, that's spot on. If you look at his nose on the toy, yeah. it looks just like a rotary telephone. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then my comment about looking at the figure and looking at the character mm-hmm. made me make an amazing realization, Steve. Mm. And that's going to lead in to this next Skyku, which is, in fact, about the character. Are you ready? I'm ready. And actually, it ties a little bit into the Zuckus poem as well, if you remember. Okay. Killing flea stands still. Black space leather face apron. Compound eyes of hate. <laughs> hey, yeah, those are they are hateful eyes. That's that's a good uh, that's a good call. Dude, Forlom is space Leatherface. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so think about Leatherface, the bad guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. Picture him when he's got his apron on. And now picture Forlom. <laughs> Tell me they are not equivalent. Yeah, uh, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 1974. It came out well before. Yeah. So this actually, to me, turns Forlom into a much cooler, more menacing character. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. That's, yeah, that's good. If he's like really actually this like mongoloid... Back backwater hick like psycho killer, you know. And and even if you look at his double gun that they gave him, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like much like Zuckus has the way too big gun, right? And and Forlom has this sort of double barreled thing. Kind of looks like a hacksaw to me. Kind of a hacksaw. You could pretty easily turn into a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I personally that's my my new name for Forlom is a space <laughs> space leather face. <laughs> I like it. Good call. <laughs> So if you've ever thought of that before, feel free to uh, email us, kivecast at gmail.com. Or you can just send us messages on Facebook and we'll like read them like I did yeah. last week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, I mean, I, I'd seen a few of those, but I had no idea there were that many that we had missed. So that's, that's awesome that you, you went through and... Yeah, you did like a clean sweep of, of uh, replies. So. I did. We got all these awesome messages, but yeah. I just didn't know that they were there. I don't yeah, know why yeah. I don't, I I don't get the notifications or I something. Like, I feel like the notifications are kind of in a weird spot. Like you have to, to really kind of look for them. It's not like your regular messages for your personal account. It's kind of hard to find. So I'm, I'm glad that you found them. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. Um, is there any script to flip on uh, Forlom? Uh, I mean, not so much on Forlom. I mean, last when in the Zuckus episode, we kind of mentioned that he's just mentioned as a bounty hunter. There's like no description at all. Now, you did send me something interesting: the special offer 1982 consumer promotion catalog. Yeah. So, what is this thing? Okay. Because okay, just so to describe what it is. All right. It's a picture of Forlom. And a whole bunch of text around it. Yeah. And it says up above, advertised. But but what is this? So it's a page from the Kenner 1982 Consumer Products or Consumer, you know, uh, catalog. So like the catalog that Kenner would send out to toy stores and distributors yeah. to advertise Star Wars toys to them. So what's cool about it to me is that, you know, it's advertising that, yeah, there's going to be this new figure that kids can mail away for. But it actually it gives some interesting like marketing information that I had never seen before. Um, the first, which I think is just awesome is it's uh, the, it says spring of summer at 82, uh, the offer, the four limb offer is going to be printed on 4 million action figure blister cards. And then it's, you know, with a 30 second commercial, which is that one we were talking about earlier. Um, so I think, no, just no, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. So 4 million 
47 backs were made. That's, I mean, that's kind of what's, yeah, implied here. Um, which is cool. That, that seems awfully high, Steve. I, it does seem like a lot, right? <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, Four million, 47 backs? <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. You'd think that there'd be more left over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it just kind of goes to show, I, you know, by the time Jedi rolls around, which I'm sure we'll talk about, how much excess there was. Um, they just kind of, you know, it just shows the production kind of increasing and increasing as as it went on. But yeah, I mean, this is like in between Empire and Jedi, so they're really, they're trying to kind of, I'm guessing, you know, spark interest again, kind of in between movies. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I just love the way this, this ad is designed. It's just really just, you know, appealing to the eye. Yeah, it then goes on to say consumer buys five action figures, right. receives new forlom. Uh, it describes it as a fierce bounty hunter. So it's pretty similar to the script. Yeah. That's just – they don't call him Space Leatherface. No. <laughs> um, which, by the way, Jared or any other uh, uh, Photoshop, Photoshop users, yeah. please please get to Space Leatherface, would you? Um, <laughs> That'd be an awesome Halloween costume. <laughs> it's sounds probably like – it was like completely horrifying. <laughs> um yeah, but I just I, I was just browsing on the archive and I, I noticed that I'm like, oh, I don't think we really pulled something from one of those kind of um, you know uh, retailer catalogs and really looked at it in detail before. So uh. yeah, that, that's a thing of beauty. Four million. Yeah. So that means if you have a carded figure, it's not even one in a million. <laughs> it, it's one in four million. It was funny. I actually I, I did something else new this month, Steve. I actually started emailing people. Like questions about Forlom. Yeah. Just figuring, hey, I'd get some information. Right. Um, and so actually, I asked around, uh, I asked Will Grief, and he has a lot of information. Yeah, yeah. He um, sent some great stuff th- for us. That dude is a, a fountain of information. I asked if there's any complete 47 back sets, and he said there's only one 47 back Zuckus that's ever popped up. So, right, right. Yeah, I think that was the one we'd, uh, we'd mentioned on that episode, right? Yeah. Oh, had we? I don't. I, think so. I don't even remember, That's, Steve. It's two episodes ago. You're you're <laughs> you're clear. You don't have to remember. <laughs> yes, I don't have to remember anything. Um, so that's pretty amazing. That out of the four million forty-seven backs, <laughs> right? There's not one complete set out there. Yeah, yeah. And now for L O M F A C T S, four long facts. kind of like playing along the same things with with the Zuckus carded figures there's a lot of weirdness about them if that may I mean I don't know if I just found a lot of interesting details that you just you know I'd never thought about until you started asking these questions yeah there's a lot of horse hockey around around for <laughs> yeah yeah and Zuckus yeah like the fact that they made 45 back carded samples right right and uh, according to Will, about five of each exist. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what what was the idea? Like, why were they making these? I would understand it if on the back there were pictures of them on there. Right, right. There weren't pictures of them. Yeah. So, why would they do that? Right. Um, For long fact. I asked some more questions to some European guys. Michael, how do you say his name? Golki? Yeah, Golki. Golki, yeah. Golki. Saying that you can get... Uh, for Lom on a German 45 back. Mm-hmm. So basically it's like 
to get an offerless Forlom, Empire Strikes Back is like really precious. Yes. So you can yeah. get one in, in German. Um, he says you can get one on a Clipper 45 back mm-hmm. and a Spanish 45 back. Right. Forlom fact. According to Will, there's less than 10 carded 48A offerless yeah. in existence. Right, right. Um, so basically if you're trying to collect Forlom and you want an Empire card – Basically, forty-eight C is all you're going to find. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's pretty much it. Four long back. Um, and, and did you see that weird? Um, it was an offerless forty-seven back four long. So it has on the back. It has the offer for the figure, which is on the front, which is totally bizarre. I hadn't even seen that. What kind of horse hockey is that? Yeah, yeah, it's totally crazy. Okay, so um, I went back and, and did some digging, and there was some discussion about this particular one. It's on the archive. Um, Back at least when the entry was done, it was in Gus's collection. Uh, what's weird about it is that the consensus was kind of that these 47 back figures like this were uh, the Australian ones, and on the back, the uh, the address for the mail away was an address in Australia. But but this particular one, on the back, it has you know the regular um, whatever Minneapolis Kenner mailing address, and so it's just really strange that it you know it doesn't have. It's just bizarre. I mean, and I don't think, and there was even some uh, discussion with, with John Kellerman on Rebel Scum like five or six years ago, a while ago, saying that he thought that it was still from Australia. Um, and I, I'm not really sure. I mean, it, it's, I'd be curious to see if there's some kind of updated knowledge on this thing. But um, yeah, it's, it's totally weird. Yeah, it really goes to this whole weirdness with Forlom and Zuckus. Yeah. And even if you go to the whole idea that, I mean, s- did somebody screw up? Like, was it really a mess up that Zuckus is Zuckus and Forlom is Forlom? Was that actually a mistake? Has that been confirmed? Right. Has that been confirmed? By I, I think. I think it's pretty much confirmed in the sense that, like, on StarWars.com, they they define them as such. But um, right. But okay. But, so then, yeah. and then the whole joke is that four L O M stands for the fourth love of money. Right. Right. But I don't remember where I got that. So like, I where did I hear that? This What's is, the origin of that? This is the only you know definitive origin that I could find. Um, on the old version of StarWars.com, in the like databank for each character or whatever, it's mentioned. Uh, it doesn't really say how it came about, but I, it kind of the way I took it was that it was during the production of the movie that 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 name came about. It wasn't Kenner. Um, but yeah, it was on a it was referenced on StarWars.com a long time ago, and you know you use the Wayback Machine, you can pull it up and, and look at it. But that's the only like bona fide. It's referenced in a lot of bizarre news, you know, web articles or blogs and stuff. But there's no real other than that old you know databank entry. There's no I can't find it anywhere else. Yeah, people I mean love to say it. It's yeah, a cool yeah. Story. Right. Right. Yeah, th- this is just a world of mystery between these two lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's part of my poetry slam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which I think in general was was well received. Yeah, I think the main idea that that Forlom and Zuckus are lovers. Right. That maybe Zuckus is the only one who can actually see through the 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 space serial killer. <laughs> right. Uh, he's able to see. Into those deep eyes, yes, and with his cat anus mouth, is able to kiss his telephone oh. nose, oh god, and make sweet killing flea love all night long. Oh, that that's that is something. 
Zuck, uh, Sled does Zuck each other. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the sort of breakdown from Will Grief. Um, yeah. And he sent a picture that, that he put on Facebook of, like, this just crazy run that he had. Oh. Um, that, you, you saw that, right? I, I didn't see it. I think he might have only sent it to you. Uh, is okay. it, this, is, this is his run? Yeah, it's because okay. it's he, he likes me more. Oh uh, yeah. Um, well, that's that's you know understandable. Yeah. So so he's it's the forty five back, and then it's the forty seven back with the uh, the forty the the weird forty seven back with the sticker on the back but no offer on the front. Mm-hmm. Right, like what you just said to me. Right. And then I acted like I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> um, and it does say on there, offer valid in USA only. Yeah. And then, and then a 48 back offerless. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. Will just kind of showing off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that pretty much just puts you right in the realm of the Forlom collection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's crazy. Um, I don't know if you uh, – on the Spanish one um, – at least for the the Jedi figure, uh, they his like armor is like a totally different color. Which you know we, we don't talk about the variants all that much, but I just thought that was interesting. For long fact, well, I do think it's cool that there is a forty eight A and forty eight Cs are pretty typical, right? But Steve, it's going to be hard for me to complete my run. I was going to say, yeah, forty eight Bs. Didn't I will say he never he never come across one of those. So that's. That's uh, that's gonna be tough, but you're doing well. I can see uh, it's it's well underway now. So for those of you that that have listened for a long time, uh, you will know that I have a fascination with the 48B card back, which is the Revenge of the Jedi offer. But before they actually printed it on the card back, they just put a sticker on the card back, right? And they put a sticker on the front. And it's long been my theory that these are actually pretty rare. And that it would be fun to try to put together a run of them. Um, so <laughs> I've bought three in the past month. Oh, man. And, You're on fire. <laughs> and every time I, I take a picture of it and, and text it to Steve with, <laughs> with the line, King, underneath it. Because I'm the king of the 48 Bs. Yes. And I've now posted on Facebook telling people to sell them to me. And I'm getting all, getting all, uh, get, getting all set up with it. So that, uh, that's been pretty fun to get, get more into that. Yeah. So where are you at now? Like, are you at five? I'm at five. Okay. All right. Actually, Steve, let's make that six. Later in the show, you're going to hear the first on-air purchase. Well, this is going to be the first while editing purchase. As I press buy it now. On a black Bespin security guard revenge offer sent to me by Phidias Barrios. So he actually heard the call and he sent me uh, a couple links to a couple 48Bs. So everybody do that and I'm going to have my collection going. Just know that I'm kind of cheap about this. So if it's over a bunch of bucks, I probably won't buy it. Like this is only 90 bucks and it's in pretty rough shape. Uh, but still, it's uh, it's a good enough deal for me. So, here goes. I'm going to buy it now. And I click buy it now for $89.99. Make sure the shipping isn't ridiculous. It's $8.99. There we go. Pay with PayPal. Confirm and pay. And boom. Six. I am the king of the 48 Bs.
my PDs. And I'll probably never get to 48, I guess, if, <laughs> if four long doesn't exist. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've also been buying comic books, Steve. Oh, yeah? Like, Isn't that weird? Not, not Star Wars comics, just, uh, just general comic books? Yeah. I, okay. I just, this is a sort of a side tangent. But this is, because I know some of our listeners also collect comics. Yeah. Comic book collectors and toy collectors are very different. This is what I've discovered. Ah. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated, as you might imagine. I'm, I collect Chewbacca. So I love the character Gorilla Grodd from The Flash. Do you know about oh, him, Steve? Oh, yes, yeah. And I think I know who you're talking about. He's yeah. a murderous telepathic gorilla. Okay? <laughs> and so, like, I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm going to put together a little run of Gorilla Grodd. And the thing is, is that, you know, what's most valuable about Gorilla Grodd is, you know, always it's the first appearance, right? Yeah, right, right. So that's what's worth the most. But Steve, just in a month of looking, not only did I get the American version of the first appearance, which came out in 1959. Okay. I got this weird one from a shoe store. What? Where they take the cover off and put a generic cover that just says comic books and then the name of the shoe store on it. Huh. I saw this and I jumped out of my seat and hit buy it now. I've been talking to comic book collectors all over the place. They're like, what? Yeah, no, it's missing its cover. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, this isn't missing its cover. This is like the most interesting. Could you imagine, Steve, if there were Star Wars toys out there that just had like Nicholson <laughs> shoes like <laughs> stapled to the top of it and yeah. given away? Right. <laughs> I mean, it would be worth 10 times as much. <laughs> I don't, know about, I, I don't know about that. Maybe be interesting. I mean, I guess I'm not a, I'm not a value expert when it comes to comics, but. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is, is that I don't have a, 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 a mint condition edition yeah. of, of the, of the debut. So I'll never have the most valuable thing, mm -hmm. but I do have probably a one of a kind version of that comic book. Right. So wait, which, and, which, uh, did, which store did yours come from? Oh, I forget the name of okay. it. Okay. Okay. It's some it's some shoe store. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, I mean I until you had posted that, I don't think I'd even I wasn't even aware that, that was something that existed. Well no, and most comic book collectors don't either. Oh. Because like it's just like that's all they care about is mint. I want it mint, I want it mint, I want it mint. Mm -hmm. And if it's not mint, they just don't care. Hmm. I also got the German version of the comic, which came out ten years later, called Blitzmann. <laughs> um, also, according to some people, Gorilla Grodd actually debuted in an Italian comic. It was their version of Superman that came out 10 years before that, and that was called Nimbo Kid. Wait, so 1949? Which, uh, maybe not. Maybe it's the early 50s. Okay. All right. But it's called Nimbo Kid, which means like, like uh, uh, Nimbulous Cloud Kid. <laughs> and it's called the, the Gorilla Journalist. <laughs> and so I was just able to pick up all those things, and it's just really funny because <laughs> I know comic book collectors will look at me like, what are you doing? You Wait. could have just bought a really high-quality version of, of that one comic. And I'm like, no way. I've got to run. <laughs> Wait, so hold on a second. So that, that, that earlier one, it was from, from Superman or a Superman-like comic, you said? No, no. Okay. I guess so. I got, I got mixed up. It comes from 1958. Right. And uh, Superman in Italy was called Nembo Kid. Okay, okay, got it. And they even, it, it's, it, they would take some of the same stories, but they would actually painstakingly erase the S in his <laughs> nameplate. 
and they sometimes add other stories. Okay. So this is about this gorilla on a typewriter. I was say, like, when you say gorilla journalist, I'm like picturing him working at the Daily Planet or something, just as a gorilla. <laughs> yes, I, I, you'll see the picture. You'll okay. see immediately the fact that I was able to buy this for thirty dollars is a sign that comic book collectors are crazy. <laughs> this is the coolest thing. So anyway, I mean, hey, we talked about uh, GI Joe for like four and a half hours yeah, last yeah, month. It's okay. This is, uh, this is okay. I just think it's funny to think about the way toy collectors collect and comic book collectors yeah, collect. Yeah. Because to me, I have this killer run of Gorilla Grodd, and they would look at it as just like, you know, well, why didn't you get one that's in better condition? <laughs> now, Steve, before we get to a nugget, before we get to Forlom and baggies and stuff, Steve, I don't know why, but you picked the super weird unloved item. <laughs> so uh, I'll put in the unloved item drop here. Okay, now that we're back from the drop, Steve, what in the world is this weird thing that you've put as the unloved item? All right, so this is the Star Wars Adventures of R2-D2 board game. Um, so it's from the original Star Wars line, and uh, I, I had kind of been vaguely aware of it before, but I'd never really looked at it until... Uh, Amy put it up on a, a recent uh, blog post about board games. And uh, this thing is so strange. I mean, to me, it's like, it's almost weirder than that, that Yildiz game that we played at that old California meeting. Like, this is stranger to me for whatever reason. Um, so once again, go to the SWCA. Yep. Go to blog.theswca.com. Right. And find Amy Schoberg. I pronounced it properly. Find Amy Schoberg's awesome, awesome post on board games. Yes. And again, listen, back in the old days with the archive, okay? I'm just going to go on a little tirade here. Back in the old <laughs> days, you'd have these special features, and they'd be beautifully written, and they'd be really well made and laid out, and they would have this sense of permanence, and they would exist there forever. Now, we have a blog post that is beautifully made, beautifully put together. It just doesn't have that sense of permanence. But the stuff that Amy's writing here is just as good as anything that was written 10 or 15 years ago. It's just as good as the, as the, the baggy special that we're going to be talking about later, later in this very episode. So really, if you want to learn about stuff, you just, you just have to stay on this blog because people, with the exception of me, are putting great stuff up on this uh, <laughs> up on this on this blog. So, yeah. tell me about the Adventures of R two D two board game. So, the first thing that I, I noticed about the the box is that C three PO is hilariously small and in the background of this <laughs> of this image of R two D two. It is clearly. R2's game. Right. C-3PO so, is an afterthought. <laughs> right. So if we can imagine it, and this yeah. will make you know, Mike Witter and other uh, R2-D2 collectors happy. If you can imagine it, uh, I will describe it with the theory of the mind. The way they did it was they put R2-D2 as though he were on Tatooine going mm -hmm. over a dune. Right. And they put C-3PO 200 miles behind him going, <laughs> you'll be malfunctioning in a heartbeat, you scum bucket piece of... <laughs> Whatever it is that he said in, in the exactly. movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, you're totally right. Like if there was a Chewbacca thing that had 
Han Solo like completely it, in the back, I right? Would be, I would be all about it. Yeah, no, it's that's so true. Um, and so, I mean, just the, the description on the box it says, "Follow R two D 2s adventures along a brightly colored path." <laughs> Reading and counting not required for play. So that's that my kind of, of a, game. Exactly. I mean, and Amy kind of goes into this. It's probably one of the simpler games you could ever play. Uh, but just the the aesthetic. Once you see the the board itself, the the font is so 1970s. It is amazing. And then all yeah, like the box advertises these bright colors, which. You know, you're kind of used to for, you know, the card backs behind the figures and stuff, but to see it like this, it's, it's different. It's, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, the, the art really does deserve credit. Lucas himself said Star Wars is basically the story of R2D2, right? Right, like right. R2D2 is your through line through the entire trilogy. And so here's this board game that's able to pick up on that narrative structure mm-hmm. and just put it in a toy. Yeah. So it says Princess Leia programs R2-D2, R2-D2 right. and C-3PO escape. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke buys R2-D2. The Force defies the Stormtroopers. Now that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, that is interesting. It's not Obi-Wan Kenobi who no, – according no. to this game, it is the Force itself that defies right. the Stormtroopers. <laughs> that must have been before I went to sleep and then it woke up again. Um, then <laughs> prepares for battle, uh, and then finally the hero, and it's it's a picture of the medal ceremony. But R two D two is front and center, like it yeah. is. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it doesn't even pluralize heroes. It just says the hero R two D two, only him. Yeah, yeah. This really is. And doesn't C three people just look kind of. Annoyed and pissed off in that in that ceremony, but he's just like he just looks really. <laughs> yeah, he's just just totally back there, just doing nothing, just uh, and it, it, it's really just R two D two fanatics perspective. Yeah, uh, on uh, on the story. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really great. Yeah, I'm, it's it's awesome in it. It's it looked great framed on a wall. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I just thought that. You know, we hadn't talked about the blog for a bit, and this happened to be. There's other great games in here too that she mentioned. So go go check out the post and seriously, like keep an eye on that that front page because stuff comes and goes pretty quickly. Um, so you really have to to stay on it to, to catch everything. Now it's it's pretty cool because uh, when we were coming up with the idea of the blog, um, uh, the god of the website, Gus Lopez, um, he was really worried that we just would have things sitting there stagnant and that we wouldn't have enough new content to come through, um, which is true. Cause if you ever go to a blog that's really stagnant, it's just no fun at all. Right. 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 And I had to say, well, Hey, listen, we're at least going to do a podcast every month, but man, my podcast gets buried. <laughs> it gets buried by your stuff about movies and it gets buried by Amy's awesome stuff about board games and when Ron <laughs> writes up stuff. It is it is a totally vibrant thing. And yeah, yeah. I, I totally got Gus's fear, um, but it turns out to be completely unfounded. Oh, and by the way, uh, Gus will be at European uh, Celebration. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be representing us uh, with the guys from the Star Wars Forum UK. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's pretty fun that we're gonna have Gus hosting the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh man, I what do you think of the idea of, of recording a, a pre recorded message? <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Hi. Sure. I'm Sky Payne. Sorry <laughs> I can't be there. I'm out with my space freaks. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, uh, Amy also includes the battle at Sarlacc's pit yes. game. Yeah, that's that's another favorite of mine. Um, and it's I'm, it's the summer, Steve. So can I tell you a Star Wars, a vintage Star Wars story? <laughs> Why not? Can, can I channel my inner Tom Burgess and and tell you a story about my childhood? Yeah, yeah. Um, the game, Battle at Sarlacc's Pit. <clears throat> right. So my family has a has a house in Little Compton, Rhode Island, which is this really nice town. They've had it for a long time, and it's this really kind of. A ramshackle house that's really close to the ocean, so it's nice, but the house itself is kind of nasty and whatever. And there's like nothing to do there at night, so we got the Battle at Sarlacc's Pit game. And I have very specific memories of my family opening it up, looking at it, and then just saying, "Nope, <laughs> We're, this is too much. We're not going to do it." So we never set it up. We never played it. I remember looking at the cards, thinking how cool it was, but it was a complete and total failure. Uh, I have never played that game. Wow. Well, that's got to change. <laughs> it does, because it looks like it's a fun game. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I just like the, the kind of ingenious way that it's set up. I mean, it's with the box kind of or, you know, folding open, and it's like a 3D full-on, it's almost like a play set. Almost with with figures and everything. Um, it's not your conventional board game like uh, Adventures of R two D two. And back in those days, that's the only way you had a Sarlacc. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, okay. Well, we we don't need to to go into that yeah. more into depth. Uh, yeah. We'll just tell everyone go check it out uh, blog dot or just go on the front page of the SWCA dot com and, and read it up. Well, Steve. You know, I was going to throw it to the nugget, uh, <laughs> nugget from the archive, but we've actually discussed already most of what we would talk about in the nugget from the archive with Forlorn. It's true. I yeah. mean, we've talked about the 45 back and the 47 back and all the mm -hmm. weird horse hawkery that goes on with, with Forlorn. Yeah. So instead, Steve, I want to do a combination vocab and nugget. Okay. Because there's actually a feature an amazing feature that's just sitting right there in the archive and has sat there for probably longer than – well, definitely longer than you've been alive, Steve. <laughs> but, but definitely almost you know, 10, 15 years old. And it is the collector's guide to Kenner Baggies. Yeah. And uh, we are going to actually give a call – to Bill Wills, who's one of the authors of this uh, guide, and we're go he's going to be sort of supplemented, uh, hopefully, with uh, Fantastic Pete, and we're going to learn all about Kenner baggies, because that's the vintage vocab, and that's the nugget. What actually is a baggies? My baggies. It is a nugget. From the archive. All right, Steve. Well, after much delay, uh, we. <laughs> We have Thanks, uh, Pete. Yeah, we have Bill Wills and and Pete Fitzky here. Fantastic, Pete. Pete, are you just off of an airplane? I am just off of an airplane. I just got in from LAX like literally twenty minutes ago. 
Wow. So, although we had to wait for him, you do have to appreciate the sheer uh, rapidity with which he got home and made sure uh, that he's on the show. Are you guys ready to talk about baggies? Absolutely. Well, let's see. So, one thing that I, that I think is really cool is that uh, if you look up, because I was trying to think, like, how could we do like a good introduction? of Bill Wills and, and Fratastic Pete. And obviously our, our space freaks know Fratastic Pete because they listen to the, the Market Watch every month. But if you look up Bill Wills and Star Wars, do you know what's the first thing that comes up, Steve? No, what, what is it? It is Fratastic Pete's interview with Bill ah. Wills. <laughs> that makes sense. So I, I was going to do an intro. I was going to do an introduction and say like, Bill, tell us about you. Tell us who you are. But but I think people should just go and read Pete's awesome interview. <laughs> that sounds good. I just did. It was one of the first ones we ever did. So so I was happy that um, Bill volunteered. I got two Ohio groups in a row. I had Bill on one, and then I had the one cools on the next one. Yeah, and it's 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 really cool because. I mean, at least I don't know about you, Steve, but I feel like Bill is a name I've heard of. Bill Wills from ever since I started collecting, and I've seen his name everywhere. But he's somewhat mysterious, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Maybe slightly, <laughs> slightly mysterious. <laughs> do, uh, do, do I you, keep a low profile. Yeah. Do, do you think that you're mysterious, Bill? Uh, my wife thinks I'm mysterious. My <laughs> kids probably do too. But <laughs> no, you know, I, I'm a pretty regular guy, to be honest with you. You know, I just. Uh, I, I don't I don't do as much social media stuff as I probably should. I just man, I don't have the time. Yeah, I mean, I just had to throw myself into it and sort of override all of my resistance. And uh, I'm I'm now working on trying to become a king of Facebook, just like I'm the king of the 48 Bs. But uh... <laughs> yeah, man, I, I don't I just don't have it in me. I I, I get on and I, I lurk every now and then, and I I do try to promote the cantina collectible stuff you know that tracy and i do but for the most part man i, I just don't i just I, I just don't have the time you know i wish i had more so. okay well then why, why don't you do a, a quick pitch for cantina collectibles then well cantina collectibles started in i think it was 98 or 99 and i had uh i had just uh, did some deal with the next kenner guy and um, i had a bunch of stuff and i, I knew i wasn't going to keep it all and this was back in the, the toy shop days and I thought, you know what would be really cool is to do a, a phone auction. Now, I don't know why I thought that was cool, but I did. Um, so Tracy, uh, he designed a logo. He came up with a logo for Cantina Club. I, actually, I think he came up with a name, too. And uh, I ran this auction in, uh, in Toy Shop. And uh, so that's kind of how Cantina Collectibles got started. It was really just uh, meant to be a, a one-off kind of thing. And uh, you guys know how it is. The longer you collect and the, the more collections you turn up and, you know, you, you keep a, a few things that you want or maybe a couple of things to trade down the road, and then you sell the rest. I mean, that's how uh, if you're not independently wealthy, which, you know, unfortunately I'm not. Uh, that's the way you build collections. That's the way most of the old-school guys, you know, built their collections. And so... Uh, so Cantina Collectibles kind of just turned into a way for me to to move the extra stuff that I had that I, I you know, I, I wasn't interested in keeping. And uh, so, you know, we've done some celebrations and we do some local shows here and there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not planning to quit my day job to, you know, become a, a dealer or anything like that. But it it is, 
it's helpful to kind of have a, a brand or a name out there to you know to buy and sell things with. So that that's that's kind of the origins of that. And we got on Facebook I think about a year ago, so we were probably three or four years late to the party there. But uh, but you know it's. You know, it's it's going pretty well. Instagram, same thing. You know, we started Instagram a few months ago, and so it's good. It's good. So. Awesome. Well, I I think if if you read uh, Pete's article, you know, it really focuses on your uh, Luke Jedi, and I think that we might end up talking about Luke Jedi in a couple months from now. So we we awesome. don't really, really want to jump the gun on that because we're getting into sure. we're getting into uh, Jedi figures soon. But really okay. what we wanted to do was talk about baggies. Now, our first question is, Bill, Yes. have they always been called baggies? Did somebody come up with the term baggies? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think I started collecting baggies in like 98, 99, and I mean, at that time, literally nobody cared. <laughs> I mean, there was like me and maybe two other guys that collected them, and uh, one of them was Todd DiMartino, and that's honestly how I met Todd. Is uh, he, we were like we kept running in the same circles with it for the baggy things because uh, you know, like I said, nobody really cared. Um, I got into them just because not, and I, di- I didn't really view the baggy itself as a collectible. I looked at it as because uh, I hate repros. I've always hated reproduction stuff. Um, and I was always really conditioned and sensitive. So the baggy kind of kills two birds with one stone. You generally get a, a really nice clean figure and you don't have to worry about reproduction stuff. And that's, that's really why I started collecting baggies. I didn't care about, uh, I mean, at the time I, I, I couldn't have told you the different baggy styles that existed or, uh, figure, figure baggy combos. I had no idea. I just wanted one of every figure. I didn't care what bag it was in. I didn't care if it was heat sealed or tape sealed. Uh, I just wanted to be confident that it was, you know, had never been opened. And that, that was really it. Um, so as far as whether we call them baggies or baggies, I, I think for the, for the longest time, I called them Kenner bags. And then ah. at some point, mm. at some point, it switched to baggies. <laughs> and I, I don't know who's responsible for that. But All right. Well, so. awesome. So it really could be like troopies. This is good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So then, I mean, we're – we're sort of putting this in the in the context of the nugget from the archive, being the collector's guide to baggies, uh, which is the archive feature. Do you know? Do you remember when you wrote this this uh, feature? You know, I had a feeling you were going to ask me, and I really can't. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I think it's been well. It, it was before. It was well before the Chinese democracy of Star Wars books got started, which was Todd's, which is Todd's uh, saga museum <laughs> collection. So that's been. That's been ongoing now for, and I, I love Todd. I'm sure he's going to listen to this. I love you, Todd. So, uh, but that was about six years ago, I think, six and a half years. Uh, and then we probably wrote the feature a good two or three years before that. So I, it's probably going on eight, nine years, roughly. Okay. Now, now Pete, you're, you're somebody who you collect baggies pretty actively, right? So I collect the multi-packs pretty actively, and that's kind of how I've gotten into baggies. I actually don't collect any baggies outside of the mailer stuff. So whereas Bill and Todd were really focused on um, doing baggies by themselves, and even Todd was kind of the king of the multi-packs, I've really focused on single mailers and then mailer multi-packs. Okay, so that see you see, Steve, this is my problem. I thought that all baggy collectors were multi-pack collectors and yeah, vice see, versa. It's, uh, it's it's multifaceted, Sky. 
Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, nuances here that we, we're going to jump into. So, so here's one of the big questions. What baggies didn't come in mailers? Um, you know, of all the, of the, the first 79 figures, I, I believe uh, that most of them are found in, in a one or more multi-packs. The only one that I know for sure was not is Forlom. Forlom fact. Uh, Forlom wow. is not found in a, a, a to, to the best of my knowledge, I, I don't believe Forlom exists in any uh, multi-pack. Uh, and obviously Power of the Force as well. Power of the Force droids, Ewoks, none of those. Um, uh, but as far as rarity, I would say, you know, I mean, there's a bunch that are rare. I mean, we, this is kind of a separate topic. I guess we can discuss, you know, a, a little bit later, but the, probably one of the toughest is the, um, turtleneck Leia Bespin. Right. That right. piece, that piece is incredibly rare. And it basically, it, that piece was in one multi-pack. Uh, it, I believe it was like a 1982 four pack. And um, that figure comes in just a, um, I think it's the ESBA baggie. It's like a heat sealed, uh, you know. Uh, I think it's got the uh, Kenner uh, logo. It's in like a horizontal direction. It's re- super, super tough. So, okay. So, because I, I guess what I'm trying to understand, Steve, tell me if I, if if you're as dumb as I am here. <laughs> so it seems to me that most baggies that exist were originally inside of mailers. Does that sound right, Steve? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the characters, yeah. But, I mean, I guess there were other ways in terms of getting baggy figures, like with the play sets um, and then what was, I mean, some of these other ones. Um, but like, the play sets is what I was thinking of, or the special offer pack-ins, like the, right. know, the Star Wars vehicles and stuff that had the uh, that kind of department sure. store special where they would pack stuff in. But, yeah. Right. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I mean, by far, I would say, I mean, probably, you know, 90%. I mean, I, of course, I don't have any statistics to back this up, but just based on, you know, what we've seen, probably 90% of the baggies that are in, in the, you know, uh, hobby today come from multi-packs. Okay. I mean, that's by far, I think. Ho- multi-packs and mail, you know, like mail-away pieces. Right. The, like I mean, the special offers, account. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like the literally, like the emperor, mail away emperors, yeah. four alarms, boss, those kinds of things. Um, right. And then, of course, you've got the pack-ins for the, uh, you know, like the play sets and the special offers and those kinds of things. And then you do have, you know, the, there have been a handful of, uh, you know, solid ca- uh, case uh, pack, you know, packs of certain figures like Luke Jedi and Jabba, and um, you know, there's been a, one or two others that have turned up. Okay, but, so uh, why why did those exist? Like the removable MC3PO, there's like hundreds and hundreds of those, right? So there are literally tens of thousands of that figure. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I would love to tell you definitively that I know why. Um, I suspect that 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 figure was intended for some sort of a promotion or some sort of a uh, a pack in. I don't know if that figure came in the um the young Jedi kit or not. I know obviously like I think the solid pack uh of Jedi Luke's that turned up. Um my guess is that was probably used uh at the, at the fulfillment center for the young Jedi kits. But I I I don't know for sure. I mean Obviously, I don't think those things were ever intended to be sold at retail. I mean, I don't think, you know, and there have been a hand, you know, there have been uh, loose bag figures turn up. Um, I know there's, there's some turned up at like Sears Surplus, you know, long, long time ago. 
My guess is that stuff was probably um, returns, people that had returned multi-packs or uh, Sears just had surplus of certain multi-packs and they just busted them open and threw them out at their at their clearance centers. Um, but clearly, Kenner never intended for baggy figures to be sold individually like that. So, right, because it's, um, it's awfully ugly. For, it's, a, it's awfully ugly, exactly. I mean, um, no, but if, as far oh, as like, gee, Steve, I just insulted our guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no doubt. I mean, it's no. I don't think it's a coincidence. It's it's some of the crappiest figures that turn up in quantities. So, right. That that. Mm. To me, I don't think it's a coincidence. That's clear to me that, it, that those were some sort of overstock figures, and Kenner probably, you know, who knows what they did with them, you know? So. All right. Well, Steve, you know, I, I wrote out all these questions, and then I'm not actually asking the questions in order. <laughs> Have you noticed <laughs> right. that? Uh, I'm yeah, sorry. you got me all messed up, man. Okay. So I guess one of the, the main questions is, is I imagine that the feature in the archive is, is more or less up to date. Uh, on, on the what you have listed, you have 25 different kinds of baggies, of Kenner U.S. baggies. Is that still accurate? Right. Is there still 25? Um, I believe there is actually 24. There's there's a, an edit that we need to make, um, just ha- haven't gotten around to doing it. Um, you know, the, kind of the, the, the origin of this, of, of the content for this feature, uh, was Todd. I mean, Todd's a crazy man. I mean, he's, he's a lunatic. I mean, he, he has, you know, multiples of everything. I mean, at one point, obviously, if you guys remember back to what was it? Celebration three. And he had the, uh, the next, you know, with Tom Derby, they had, you know, everything from Kenner from 77, you know, to 86 or whatever. They had one example of everything. Well, that was Todd's collection basically transported to Indianapolis. Um, but you know, Todd's been collecting multi-packs and, and bag figures forever. I mean, he's really, I mean, Todd's really a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, to this, uh, this subject. But the thing that allowed us to, to kind of put this thing together with a degree of accuracy was Todd had all these unopened mailer or, uh, multi-packs that at some point he opened. Todd had all these unopened multi-packs that at some point he opened. And so we literally, I mean, I think at the time that we put the feature together, he had almost 85 or 90 multi-packs. So <laughs> it, it really, it, it enabled us to really be able to look at brand new contents, at, you know, uh, untampered with uh, and, and be able to see exactly what came in, in which multi-pack and what baggie they came in and all that kind of thing. But um, wow, so Pete, there, that's kind of hurt was, Pete, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just uh, cracking them open. Uh, it's one of those tough ones, man, and, and it gets into a delicate subject I don't even know if we want to breach here, which is, is it ethical to open a multi-pack? Because to be quite honest, what is a multi-pack without getting to see the figures? And that's that could take us into another half-hour dialogue. Maybe you don't want to go on, but I think if they didn't do that, um, the entire multi-pack collecting market may not have been what it was because that's where a lot of the really rare ones came from. And people are like, wow, these actually look kind of cool. When they're out of the package, we're going to build displays for them or whatever else. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting dichotomy that you're dealing with there. Wow. Okay, yeah, well, that sounds like a debate you know, someday. That- yes, it does, Sky. In fact, why don't we urge the audience to weigh in? If it is ethical or not to destroy a multi-pack to get the baggies.
respond on Facebook or Kivecast at gmail.com or on the Rebel Scum forum. Yes. <laughs> you know, at, at, at the time that, that Todd was, you know, purchasing a lot of these multi-packs, too, you got to remember, I mean, probably the most expensive multi-pack at the time would have been still probably one of the line art uh, multi-packs, Pete. I, don't, I mean, oh I, I'm God. assuming that the, those are still in, insanely rare even now. But, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, nobody paid more than, you know, a few hundred dollars for a multi-package. They just weren't that expensive. Um, so, you know, it probably was less of an issue to open things up because they just, you know what I mean? They just weren't viewed as the, the commodity that they are now. So, okay. But, um, okay, so, so, so you, you guys <laughs> tore open all these, uh, you just ripped open all of these multi-packs and started looking at the baggies. <laughs> And through this, you were able to determine the 24, 25 different kinds. Now, if I, well, if, I, were... if, if I look at it on the archive here, the the differences between them seem to be uh, the text that's on them, right? So yep. you can say like either Kenner or Made in Hong Kong or General Mills or whatever. And then right. a seal. So the two different kinds are heat and tape. So if it's right. heat sealed, it's like pressed together, and if it's taped, and it's taped over. Right. Now, it says type is crisp. What does that mean? It just means the the type of the plastic. There, some of the Kenner baggies, the the plastic is really like a crisp. Not I, I don't want to use the word. It's just a firm plastic. Uh, if it's soft, it it's just like it sounds. It's very you know just very soft plastic. You can tell the difference. I mean if if you've if you've ever handled them, you know exactly what the difference is. And now, the Kivecast is going to make baggy history. Bill Wills is going to announce a change to the baggy matrix on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. There's one more category than should be there. We are going to witness the excising of the ROTJ bees. More details to come, space freaks. But but I do want to say there's one there's one there's one type on here that we have decided to remove and that's the uh, the Return of the Jedi B. Bees? And I guess because I, I actually was talking to Todd about this and he he had one or two examples in his collection, um, and they were loose examples. They didn't they weren't they didn't come from a multi pack. They came from another. I don't remember who the person was, uh, but Todd picked this up from somebody else, another collector, and he since determined that he he feels like because he he's never found another one, um, and apparently he he there's he has reason to kind of question the character of the person he got it from. So he feels like that the Jedi B uh, variant is no longer valid, and I believe this has been reflected at AFA. So I think. If they grade any Jedi baggie, I think everything has been bumped, um, bumped back one. So like Return of the Jedi B or C is now Return of the Jedi B, if that makes sense. And everything that AFA does is just based on this guide, right? Pretty much. Right. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it. I mean, it, it's become almost a point of debate because, um, you know, tons of respect for Todd, too. Tons of respect for Bill. They did something that nobody else was doing at the time, but... And now... 
Pete is going to start talking about something that I have no idea what he's talking about until I ask him a whole bunch of questions for him to explain it. So get ready to hear about the mystery of the almost unknown Spiegel multipack. Spiegel? Now palatoid veggies are coming into play and people question things like that. Um, and then you tell me if I'm wrong, Bill, but I think one of the pieces too that um, Todd was missing, I don't know if he ever actually had, was the Spiegel pack for Return of the Jedi. Do you know if he ever actually owned one of those? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I can ask okay. him. Yeah, you should, because it's funny. I found one not too long ago, actually. I had to make a big trade to, to actually get it. And it's a pretty unique pack. It actually says Spiegel on the back of the box, whereas all the other Return of the Jedi packs um, will just say, you know, villains or four-pack or watch whatever it is. Um, and when I would, after I purchased it, um, Jeff Jacobs and I were talking. He made a comment to the point of, I don't know if AFA is going to grade it, because I don't think that they have anything to compare it to. Nobody knew if, if there were that many other examples out there. So. Okay, so a Spiegel pack is a German thing? No, that's actually... So Spiegel was a catalog here in the United States in the 70s and 80s. I actually think they're still around. Um, and yes. Yeah, so the, the multi-packs obviously all went out to... They were catalogs at the end of the day. They were, they were almost all coming out of Sears catalogs, JCPenney catalogs, and Spiegel was one of Spiegel. those. And... Um, a few of the packs only came out for certain catalogs. So, for example, Montgomery Ward had the three Return of the Jedi ones where it just has, like, a number on the front of the box. It doesn't actually have the little route label. And in Spiegel's case, they had this one seven-pack that was exclusive to them, and instead of actually calling out the contents of the like, header of or for the pack, it was just called the Spiegel pack. Huh. And so you have the only known one? I don't know if it's the only known one. When I got it, um, you know, I got a lot of praise from a lot of other collectors that they've never seen it. Um, you know, um, Andy Raymond, who's been a longtime collector, you know, gave me a shout out for it and everything because he's never been able to find one either. There's been pictures of them out there. It's in the Kellerman Matrix. Um, but it just was interesting because, you know, Jeff and I were both at the show where I bought it at and he, he's just very much into these, these days. You know, he's got, nearly the whole run completed across all three movies. I think he's got a couple different spots where he's trying to fill in. But he he was very honest with me. He's like, I don't know if Chad and the guys they are going to create that because I honestly don't know if there's another one that they can compare it to. Hey, um, Pete, was that one sealed or was that open? That was an open one. So it came from Frank of the Final Frontier. Just to clarify, he's referring to Final Frontier Toys, which, if you don't know, is one of the better, more reliable sources of vintage Star Wars toys. They don't pay us to advertise, but I like that guy. So so it was, oh, okay. it was open. So what, what kind of... So then, if you have a super interesting multi-pack like that and it's open, then you'd open it up and look and see what kind of baggies are in it? Is that the kind of thing you'd do? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you open it up, you check all the baggies, because one of the biggest things, and, and Bill can kind of support this too, is people will try and take baggies from less... Uh, or for more common packs and try and put them in other packs. Or they'll try and take like one of these C3PO's that's like super common and like sell them into a pack that has a C3PO, but it's actually not the same baggy type oh, that no. they found <laughs> in there. So 
it's really tough. That's where this matrix is so helpful is because it allows you to match up, okay, this baggie actually was from this time period, so we believe right. it does belong with that. Um, when you look at like Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, it was a little easier because almost all the baggies that came in the boxes were identical. Um, like the 15 packs, I think they were all Empire Strikes Back B's or H's or something. Um, but when you get to Jedi, it was a mixed match. And even from set to set, it wasn't consistent. So that's where it gets to be a little bit of minutia between those things as well. Yeah, that's the thing. There's just a ton of minutia going on here. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it, it, it really is. It, it gets kind of crazy. But, again, to, to your point, uh, you had asked uh, one of the questions uh, on th- your email you sent me about how to identify fakes. And there, that's a that's a perfect example. If somebody's trying to pass off a, an empire or a, a, well, I shouldn't say empire, but a Jedi character in an, an, an like a Star Wars a bag, well, you know, which nobody probably probably be dumb enough to do that, but that's a really tough bag. But still, you know immediately there's a problem, you know. And right. there's certain figures that don't come in certain bags, so if it turns up in in you know something that it it's not known to to come in, you you know you're dealing with a reseal at that point. Well, that, that was sort of one of my other questions. Was thinking about the the sheer number of. Okay, so if let's take for example some random character. Oh, I don't know Chewbacca, um, and let's imagine. So then, there's not 25 different kinds of Chewbacca bags, right? So is there also a matrix of every no. single kind of bag that exists? Is that is that what that guy in England was doing, where it was like every single known bag of Every single character is laid out there, or like, how would what? I know if I wanted it to be my goal to get every Chewbacca baggie? First of all, how would I know? And second of all, how would I do it? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, there, there is no matrix that I'm aware of that, that exists out in the public that, that would show you every possible figure and baggie combination. Um, I know that that's something that Todd has been actively working on. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how far along he is. I, I'm, I'm guessing he's he's made pretty good progress with it. But uh, for example, like I know you you had given us three figures: um, yes. Forlom, uh, B-wing pilot, and Chewbacca. So right. just as an example, like, to like imagine what, how would you try to be a, a completist baggy collector with those three? Yeah. So Forlom, uh, pretty simple. Uh, I believe uh, he just comes in the ESBD. Uh, baggy, so he doesn't appear in any multi packs, uh, and he's you know basically the only baggy style you're going to find him in is the baggy from the uh, the mail away, you know the box okay. mail away. Right. That's it. So Forlom's uh, pretty simple. Now B wing pilot is is not much more difficult. He he basically turned up in four bags. Um, mostly you see him in the uh, the Return of the Jedi C and F. Um, B-Wing Pilot is one of those uh, that has turned up in massive quantities. Um, <laughs> massive. For whatever reason. <laughs> isn't that, <laughs> isn't that one of the ones uh, – oh, that's okay. Isn't that one of the ones that like a full case showed up? Or is that – I can't remember if that's if that's one of those. I know it was one of those ones that's in – as you said, yeah, the lamest get the – Get the biggest yeah, numbers, man. but uh. if you if, if if you ever pick up uh, some baggy figures from a Kenner, you know, ex Kenner person, there's always B wing pilots. Oh yeah, I, don't, I mean, there's <laughs> it's just it's just the way it is. Um, so so that, that brings up a but, couple questions. Um, so you also have a, a rarity 
category, right? Where you basically go yeah. one through four. So one is not rare and four is rare. Um, so if you list B-Wing Pilot as rare, but he's on three different baggies, is it possible that there's actually a category four B-Wing Pilot? Like there's only two, you know, ROTJ-C right. known? Right, yeah. Um, in, in the case of the B-Wing pilot, none of, he, he comes in four bags. Um, none of them are particularly rare. Well, there, he comes in two Empire-style baggies. Those are probably a little bit more tough uh, than, than the two Jedis, which seem mm-hmm. to be more common. Um, but, yes, you know, the, the, the thing is, the, the, the idea behind the, the, the uh, collector's guide was not to identify rarity in terms of the figure baggy combinations. It was really just, uh, it was not so granular. It was just which figure's tough to find, you know? Um, so, but absolutely there are certain figure and baggy combinations that are just absolutely impossible to find. Um, I guess, you know, a couple examples would be, uh, like for example, the Star Wars A baggy, which is the, Tape sealed, uh, very first baggy style, and it's got the white uh, made in Hong Kong lettering uh, horizontally across the bag. Um, basically, the only figures that have have turned up in that baggy style are the double telescoping Luke, okay, which you know obviously would have been found in the early bird kit. Early bird, right? Right. Um, but then you have the the Empire Strikes Back uh, display stand, right? You know the really rare. Rose box version of the of the of the Star Wars display stand. Right. Well, that figure came with five figures. It comes with Lando, IG88, Hoth Stormtrooper, Luke Bespin. Yeah, Luke yeah. Bespin. Right. Well, all those figures come in a Star Wars A baggie, so wow. they are incredibly rare. Right. Because that, that piece those, is really rare. Exactly. That piece is really rare. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a baggy completist and you're looking for, or, or maybe you're just a focus collector and one of those figures uh, is in your focus, uh, FX7, yes, yeah, so you got Luke Bespin, FX7, Lando, Leia Bespin, and Hoth Storm. Um, and when those turn up, I mean, Pete, I don't know if you've seen any, seen any of those sell recently. Um, I mean, I know historically they've, they've sold for between, you know, five and 700 bucks a piece. So. Hmm. Yeah, and that was kind of a, a similar case to like the the bounty hunters that were packed with the the Vader case, right? I remember CJ, at, you know, with that big find yeah. out here last October. That was what he was the most excited about. And I honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it at the time. Um, yeah, but that sounds like a similar situation where that particular figure in that particular bag was only available in this one that, specific. That's thing. right. Yeah, okay. the special offer Vader case that has the bounty hunters. Uh, what is it? Right. Uh, Bosk IG88 and Fett. Right. Yeah. Those figures come in that specific baggy style, the ESB B uh, baggy. Nothing else comes in those baggies. Okay. Again, same thing. When those turn up for sale, they're they're ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot. There's no there's no shortage of guys looking for the Fett in that baggy. Yeah, I, I bet. Well, that's that's you know, Steve. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you know the whole idea, you know, uh, Pete and Bill's is, is for us to somehow find baggies cooler than we did before. <laughs> so I find well, that pretty cool that there's like certain ones that are really rare because they're only available. What what I didn't understand, and uh, Pete, this goes back to your point, is that every baggie is essentially a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. 
that every baggie is an opened multi-pack and that's i mean almost everyone to me that's that's hard except for bill you're saying that that former employees also had a lot of baggies yeah i mean i, I suspect some of those folks uh I, i'm guessing that bag figures were sold at the uh the kenner store so right, i was going to ask about you know, that yeah yeah and they, they've turned up another – I know Kenner was pretty um, – it was pretty well-known fact that they donated a lot of their overstock to, uh, like, local hospitals and mm-hmm. even some of the local, um, you know, like Goodwills and uh, Salvation Armies. I mean, there's all kinds of stories of, uh, you know, bag figures and blue snaggletooths. And if you think about it, um, one, you know, one of the most desirable figures in, in a bag – is the blue snaggletooth, but it is by no means rare. Um, yeah. Tons and tons and tons of those, well, that might be an exaggeration, but a lot of those um, mailer boxes have turned up, and they're always pristine. <laughs> they're, they're, huh. I mean, Pete, you know what I mean? I mean, there's been several of those turn up. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and lately, the prices on that have just gotten insane. I mean, they're selling for, uh, you know, you can get that graded for, by AFA for 75 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever the fee is, because it's pretty low because it's two figures. And they're selling for between 1500 and 1800 consistently. Yep. It is crazy. But, but and again, the, the weird thing is every time they turn up, they're almost always pristine. A lot of times they're sealed. There's never a price tag or, a, you know, anything like that on, on those boxes. And it's like, well, clearly it seems like there's, there's more of those two packs that exist than were used in the actual cantina playset. Well, why is that? You know. Mm-hmm. So my guess is at some point some of those were, you know, possibly donated or, or who knows. You know, but they they've turned up in quantities. So yeah. Wow. So I mean, yeah. Bill, from your perspective though, I mean, didn't they have the Greedo and Snaggletooth as a two pack in one of the Sears catalogs? I thought like the first Sears catalog. I'm just paging through Kellerman's Matrix actually out some of this stuff. They. Yes, they do. Um, they they are featured in the um, in the in the Christmas catalog. They are. Yeah, so I mean, that could be true. another that could be another piece of it too. Is that um, some of these were originally sold in two packs and early three packs, not early three packs, but there were a lot of them. Um, there were a lot of more two packs out of the get go with the original Star Wars line than anything that moved forward. So. Yeah. Now, one thing people, a lot of people don't know is there's actually a variation of the, the two pack that contains a red snaggletooth. And so the standard two pack that has the blue snaggletooth has black text on the front. Mm-hmm. But if you ever find one of those boxes, the same two, everything else is identical, but the text on the front is red. There's a red snaggletooth inside. Huh. Is so, that a lot more rare? Um, actually, it, it's pretty, pretty tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'd say it's funny because it doesn't demand as often the same amount as the blue snaggle tooth, but when they come up, they're gone. I mean, the last couple I've seen have been on Facebook, and they're gone within 20 minutes, and people will pay fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks for them easy. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. where, so where would this two pack with the red or blue snaggle tooth come? It would, it would go either in the the Sears Cantina playset or just in the Sears catalog. Yeah, I'm not clear. I guess I have no reason to think that the the blue snaggletooth two-pack wasn't sold through Sears. I know they show it in the catalog, but I can't remember. Pete, do you remember? Does it actually show blue snaggletooth in the catalog, or does it show a red snaggletooth? 
Okay, Sky here. I can actually answer this question. Does the Sears catalog, the one which sells for $3.99, a Greedo and Snaggletooth 2-pack, catalog number 49C59412, of weight 2 ounces, does this catalog show the blue Snaggletooth or the red Snaggletooth? Okay, everybody, think about the answer. Do you know what the answer is? Yes, it does. It shows both. It shows the blue Snaggletooth in the Cantina playset, but then in the little box where it has the two-pack, it shows the red Snaggletooth. So I don't know what kind of determination you can draw from that, except that you see both of them in the same catalog, a fact which I did not know. Now, if you have the enhanced version of the podcast, you're seeing me put this image all over the place. If not, Steve will put it in the show notes. But it's really worth looking at this page with the hyper-rare Cantina playset. And uh, what's cool is that Greedo in the playset is like waving. And then Greedo and uh, and the little red Snaggletooth look like they're kind of disco dancing in the two-pack shot. Uh, it's actually quite quite funny. So that's your answer. For the two-pack, it shows the red. For the Cantina playset, it shows the blue. But they are both featured at the same time. I can't remember what it showed. I'm just looking at the matrix right now um, from Telemann, and both the red Snaggletooth and the blue Snaggletooth have the same box number. So all the multi-packs had a code on them. It was two digits yeah. of dash and then five digits. Um, and it was the same number for either the red or the blue. And I think the only thing that literally distinguished them was the color of the writing on the box was red for the red single tube because it was, you know, caught down the line. Because a lot of these, I think, were produced in sequence with um, the first 12 being released. And that's how the whole blue snaggle tube creature cantina adventure set came out and all that stuff. Yeah. And I see, here's something funny, Steve. I've looked through. Kellerman hundreds of times and when he keeps referring to the Kellerman Matrix, I'm like, what? Which which Kellerman? He's talking about the carded figure or the proof one? <laughs> so th- there's, there's a multi-pack Matrix in there as well? Yep, page 147 to 149. Um, <laughs> Man, I, I, it is hilarious how big my blind spot is when it, when it comes to this whole area of collecting. Well, it's weird, man, because every time I, I page through to find it, I end up having to go page by page because it's literally like I skip over the entire section. It's really weird. It's at the back of the multi-pack section. But John did a really nice job on this. And to be honest, I think that out of all the matrices that he did, this could have been the most difficult to put together mm-hmm. because it covers all of the different years. It has pictures that you don't find anywhere else. Um, like, for example, it has a picture on page 145 of the Power of the Force 7-pack that was originally supposed to come out. Um, or, sorry, the 8-pack that was originally supposed to come out that never actually even made it to market. Um, and so, yeah, if you ever get a chance to check through it, you will learn a lot about all the different box styles, baggy type. Not so much baggy types, I guess, but all the different variations that came out. And there were 70-plus multi-packs that came out over the years. And I suspect that uh, John probably based a lot of that off of the uh, the archive feature that I think Ron did, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Ron is probably the first guy to ever attempt to um, kind of categorize and 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 um, you know uh, log some of the uh, the multi packs that are out there. 
Um, he, you know, he does have, if I'm not mistaken, I think that feature does have some of the uh, unproduced multi-packs that, you know, were actually featured in, in the, uh, the, you know, the retailer's catalogs, but they actually were never for sale. Ah, okay. um, so I think that's why there's like a droids multi-pack and, you know, but that obviously those, those were never made. So. so. Oh, Steve. I mean, the good news is they've actually got to, they've got to most of the questions. I mean, <laughs> yeah. one thing that always interests me the most is the sort of uh, not rare but valuable, and it seems like the, the blue snaggletooth kind of fits that. Right. Uh, the sort of rare but maybe not as valuable, maybe that's like the, the, the power droid, maybe. I think maybe what, one of the biggest questions I have when I think about baggies, I really think about AFA. Mm-hmm. So how – Let's see. So, Bill, you're you're probably uh, more in the old school of collecting as opposed to Fantastic Pete, who's uh, currently at Kappa Lambda Alpha and uh, doing <laughs> doing doing keg stands as we discussed. Um, so, what what's been your perspective on how AFA has changed baggy collecting? Um, you know, I'll be honest. I, I I'm sure that they have affected baggy collecting to a degree. Um, I know there's going to be some guys uh, say that, you know, they've taken some things out of circulation with the whole U-grading thing, and that's probably true. Uh, I'm sure that there, there have been some figures, some bag figures that have been lost to the U-grading process. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that the, the baggy market has changed so much as a direct result of AFA or just all the new information that's out there. I mean, let's face it, I mean, the more people know about a certain niche, uh, and, and, you know, the more that they can make better informed decisions about what's actually out there for them to collect, and the more, you know, more people that start to get into that niche of the hobby and they start talking, and now you've got, you know, Facebook and everything else, um, it just lends itself to kind of these these kinds of markets like baggies just exploding. And I, I think the other thing with baggies, too, is everything else got so expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. If you think about it, sealed stuff started to get outrageous. You know, high-grade carded stuff is, you know, for a lot of people, it's just out of their budget. So I think, it, you know, it always tends to drive people to other areas that are a little more affordable. So um, I think that's, that's, in my opinion, that's when we really started seeing baggies start to pick up is when the high-end stuff really started getting ridiculous. Um now, is that, so, is, that, is that your uh, perspective too, Pete? If you could just if you just put down the beer bong long enough to answer, um, you know, I, hey, I'm taking ADHD. I'm drinking high C for you guys tonight, so <laughs> and it's pie lambda Alpha delta. Don't forget the pie in there. Oh, sorry, that's part. Um, anyway, so I, I, I totally would agree with Bill. Um, you know, I think that everybody in every segment has seen you grading affected a little bit, but I think that. AFA in general has done more good than harm when it comes to baggies and multi-packs. And here's kind of why. One, um, they've given some type of way to protect the baggies. Um, a lot of, you know, there wasn't a, like a sliding bottom case that you could put these in before. They do a nice job displaying the individual pieces. Um, and I think that that's very helpful. And especially when you get into a catalog mailer, very, very, very tough to display one of those unless you have AFA build your case for them. Um, and that's where, I mean, you look at those and they transform literally from here's a box and a pile of plastic, you know, it, it, just aesthetically speaking to they do a great job cascading it across an acrylic case 
get to see all the figures in all their glory. So I think that it's actually been really good in that respect. I think that um, out of all the segments that have been affected by U-grading, Baggies have probably been affected less than, let's say, Midtown Card for yourself. Yeah, I, I've, I was thinking about that, that when I look at – I remember looking at multi-packs before and just thinking, how could you possibly get excited by a blank box? Right. Yeah. But then when I think yeah. about AFA and thinking about the fact that they actually do care about the seal and then – so knowing that if you can show the box next to the baggy figures, I do think those display nice. And I think it is one of the rare cases where I'm sort of pro-AFA, at least as far as that goes, where I like the idea that there's some kind of certification that they're the ones opening up the box. And as silly as that is that it's in my head, it does still seem to – be more of a maintained unit as a multi-pack and, and not so much just like, you know, like, uh, like Todd and Bill just ripping them open willy nilly. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And, and I, I didn't Bill. do that. Just to be clear, that was all Todd. He, he gets all the blame. You didn't throw Martino under the bus. He's not here to offend That's him, right. So. He's, he's not here. He can't do anything about it. So Yeah. But I mean, a lot of these too, they, they were found open too. You know, a lot of mine that I've, I've seen yeah. over the years, um, what's in my collection, yeah. I can think of a couple very common Jedi ones that I've had them open. Um, like yeah. a seven pack villains, um, a seven pack heroes, which are probably the most common ones, but finding any, any of the other seals, I think that, it, there is, to an extent, there is a little bit of a gasp factor there on some of these. So let's let's go to another question you guys kind of had, which is, you know, what's the rarest piece out there? What are the most desirables? Maybe not so much the baggies, but what are the most desirables in kind of the multi-pack world? And Todd, I think you'd agree with me. The line arts are still... Todd, I didn't know yeah. Todd was here. I'm oh, sorry. Todd. Are you calling me Todd? <laughs> now I'm calling you Todd. Now I have you. Now I have you Listen, Tracy, quiet down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we poor yeah. Pete. He just said the wrong name. He was trying to get into the most. Now I do want this to be a little bit of a vintage vocab. So I'm 98 percent sure that I know what you mean when you say line art multi pack. But how about Pete? You describe it for the person who doesn't know what line art multi pack means. Yeah, absolutely, and it has nothing to do with line art baggies, which is a completely separate vintage vocab that Bill can go through. But for the Empire Strikes Back line, there were three sets, um, and keep me honest here, Bill, um, there were three sets that came out with basically just a blue outline of the characters on the boxes. Um, it was two different four-packs. One was called the Star Destroyer four-pack, and it had Vader, Boss, um, IG-88 that in it. There was a yep. Heroes one with, um, and this is where you'll have to keep me honest, Yoda, um, Luke Bespin, and who were the other two in there? Find that one and we'll come back to that. Um, part of the reason you, I don't remember is it is out of the three the rarest. And then what's funny is the least rare for three is a 15 pack um, huh. that came out. And you actually see those more probably three to one at least on any of the other ones that come out there. And what's interesting about that is where the two four packs are actually almost a scene of the figures. Like the one with Darth and Fett is actually like a scene from the Star Destroyer. And the one with um, Yoda and, and the other guys is another scene. These just literally have the 15 figures with little pictures of them. Um, just kind of like chalk outlines in blue. And they're honestly for the simplicity of them. And where they kind of fit in into the uh, mythology of vintage Star Wars collecting, they're breathtaking. 
I mean, it's a very, very cool scene. It's, it's very different. It's unique unto itself. Um, and it's interesting because Kenner only did it for three and then abandoned the concept and moved forward with a completely different concept after that, which was just a blank box. Well, so it was basically the only time they would really show what they looked like. It actually kind of looks like uh, just like little drawings. And I believe if I can find it, pretty the pretty cool thing, uh, Stephen and, and Pete, if you look up uh, Line Art Multipack ESB, uh, the first things that show up are Kivecast Market Watch. Yeah, yeah I remember <laughs> I say that. I think I remember those sounded familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the four-pack is uh, R2, 3PO, Yoda, and Luke. Yeah. Um, so d- does the 15-pack go for more than the four-pack, even though it's less rare? Not really. Um, no. it, it, to be honest, the last one that I saw, um, granted it had some pen marks in the box. It came from our friend Zach Tan out there in California. 3000 bucks for it, um, and that was with all the figures sealed in great baggies. Um, I've seen the box alone for the uh, one with Luke and Yoda go for over $2,000. Oh. No figures in it. Hey, hey, wait a minute, Steve. I think Pete just shoehorned in a whole multi-pack episode in the middle of our baggy episode. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Yeah. Multipass. You know this multi-pass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlyweds. Just met. You know how it is. Bump into each other. Sparks happen. Yeah, she knows it's a multi-pass. Yeah, anyway, we're in love. (laughs) They're they're interrelated. It turns out they're interrelated. (laughs) Who, who knew besides most of the people who listen to this podcast <laughs> and none of the people who host it? Um, awesome. Well, we, we were going to talk about non-USA baggies, but I've decided um, after looking at that feature that's on uh, uh, Star Wars Forum UK that that is entirely a whole nother ball of cheese wax. Um, yeah, it's, so, a, it's a disaster. So we're just going to stick with with Kenner baggies, um, and I think Steve, that's the main things we need to know, right? Yeah, I mean, I think all your questions pretty much one way or another got got answered. So that that's good. Um, and now, the first time ever on the Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast, one of the hosts buys something from one of the guests. Enjoy, as Sky tries to spend most of the episode figuring out if he should mention the price or not. Will he mention the price? Will he not? Stay tuned, Space Freaks. It's all unveiled with Sky Buys a Baggie! She was with the Russians too. My Now, I, I, I do have... Uh, I do have a question for you um, as far as Cantina Collectibles goes. Yes, sir. So I actually see that you have baggies for sale. I do. I think I do. Okay. So it says here that you have a Chewbacca (laughs) in a heat-sealed Star Wars B Kenner baggie. Okay. Okay. I believe you. If it doesn't say sold, do you have it here? If it does not say sold, I still have it. Awesome. Well, this will be a Kivecast first. I want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. You can put that in, in your in your market watch, Pete. 
I uh, I am buying a Star Wars B because I imagine there's a Star Wars A that would have come with the with the uh, early bird, right? Uh, there is a, there's actually two Star Wars A Chewbacca's. There's one with the text and one with no text. A lot, some people don't realize that, but the baggies are identical. Everything's the same, just no white text. So there is a version of Chewie with no text. Okay. So, yes, they exist. Yeah. But, you know, I, I kind of wanted one from the, the Star Wars baggie, so it's a made in Hong Kong. So what, what do you think, Steve? Is this exciting or what? I think it's great. <laughs> Live purchase. <laughs> yes. So we'll have to email about, you know, PayPal and all that stuff. Um, but awesome. it's because I actually see it, and now that I understand that there are 25, there's up to 25 possible Chewbacca baggies, I don't feel at least, at least Not at this true. Point, there's seven. There's seven. I, I, did, oh. we did, I don't think we talked about that, but I actually can tell you which seven baggies Chewie has turned up in. Oh. Now, I hate to get I, – I really don't want to be dogmatic about anything because as soon as you say something is you know, only A, <laughs> B, and C, then B yeah. turns up. Right. Yeah. Oh, we so we don't, don't care about that on this podcast. But. We don't care about that. We're just going to say it's definitive, and if people don't agree, they can, they can email us. <laughs> there you go. No, they'll they'll email me telling me how you know that I'm unaware of all these recent finds and you know I don't know what I'm talking about. So, but uh, yeah, Chewie's in seven bags, so I can send That's you the list. That's manageable, Sky. They, I think yes. There you go. Yeah, you can you can send it's pretty me the, manageable. Send me the list, and I'll I'll start off by getting the the SWB bees, um, which. Uh, which will be my – well, actually, it's not my first baggie. So so you break things into categories, and what I like is that you break it one through four in terms of rarity, and then five right. is there's only like one of a kind? Five, I think, are like pre-production pieces. So like uh, you know, you'll see a, um, a Lukoff turn up in a, a baggie, some seal baggie. It's a first shot, you know, that kind of thing. That's uh, uh, That would be a – but now the, some of those rarities probably need adjusted. Um, you know, it's like it's like with the power of the force coins. You know, we've seen over the years that certain coins that used to be, you know, fair, you know, somewhat available are now impossible to find. You know, baggies are kind of the same way. Um, so like the black Bespin guard used to be really tough. I think that piece again is another figure that is only in one or two multi packs. He's you know he used to be really really tough. Um, but then I bought a collection from somebody, a Kenner person, and they were, I had 30 of them, you know. Hmm. Um, and that piece used to sell for 75 to 100 bucks, you know, pretty regularly. Now, I mean, I haven't, I haven't sold one for a while, but I mean, they're, the last ones I sold were, were much less than that. Um, Cloud Car Pilot is, is still fairly tough, um, you know, but so there's probably a few of the categories that we could go through and adjust. Um, but by, I think I don't think there's any major changes. I don't think you're going to see anything that was a category four now all of a sudden is a category one or two. Um, right. So, so the the only other baggie I have is actually stapled to a quality control sample. Oh, that's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, that but is I great. Yeah. It's upstairs. I couldn't tell you what kind of bag it was to save my life. Like I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if it says Kenner. I don't know if there's text on it. I don't know if the text is vertical or horizontal. There's all these differences that I am now understanding can make it one of those kind. Sky here. 
You don't think I could pass up this moment to share some more knowledge with you, did you? Anyway, I have now discovered that it is a ROTJ D baggie. Now, what makes that interesting is it's the only baggie that says made in Macau. It is heat sealed and crisp. So, what's cool is it's actually on the archive. Uh, Joseph Iglesias owned it before I did. And there's a little uh, write-up about it by Ron Salvatore. So here is his write-up about the Chewbacca-bagged production sample that is upstairs in the Chewsium. Quality control samples like this would be sent back to Kenner from their vendors in the Orient so they could be reviewed by the toy company. An engineer in charge of the line would typically have to sign off on the product as well as make suggestions for improving it. This, of course, is Chewbacca. The note mentions that the brown color of the plastic needs to be darker, but it looks like any other Chewbacca figure. Sometimes I think these guys asked for changes just because they figured it was their job to do so. And you know what? I'm actually so interested in this, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to look at the baggie a little bit closer because I don't know what even a made in Macau Chewbacca looks like. Like, I don't recognize any of my Chewbacca's as having Made in Macau written on the back of the leg, so they must have something else written there. Do you want to find out what it is? I'm going to pause it and go find out. Much as I suspected, it doesn't have any Made in on the actual figure. It just has it sort of blacked out or kind of fudged out. So, yeah, I guess that's this Macau factory, which raises a whole nother set of questions. When did Star Wars start making toys in Macau? It must have been only during the Return of the Jedi era, but we haven't really studied that yet. And also, what's the deal with Macau? What is Macau? I mean, why don't they have what called Mabul? Alright, you know, I'm gonna look up a history of the country of Macau and then get back to it. Cause doggone it, I'm interested. Oh jeez, down the rabbit hole I go. Turns out Macau is officially known as Macau, Special Administrative Region of the People's Republic of China. So this is like one of the special administrative regions. So it's connected to mainland China. It's in the sort of southeastern part, like where Florida would be on China. If that's not the most American-centric description I've ever given, I don't know what it is. It used to be administered by the Portuguese Empire. And it is apparently totally controlled by China. Like, China has its military defense, and it, but it has its own legal system and its own security force, like a public security force, its own monetary system, its own customs policy and immigration policy. Wow. And apparently it's one of the world's richest regions. It is, its GDP per capita is higher than any other country in the world. Oh, I guess because it's got a lot of banks there. Wow, Macau is interesting. Not as interesting as this baggie. So that's the next question is, how rare are Macau baggies? All you baggie experts are listening to this. Let us know on Facebook, whatever, kivecastgmail.com. Hit us up. My baggies! Oh, yeah, so. yeah. That's a sweet piece. In fact, uh, our buddy Ron, he's got a piece that I, I really covet. I don't know if I've ever told Ron this, but he should know this. But he's got a bagged Luke Jedi sign-off sample with a little Ooh. quality control index card stapled to it. And Ron doesn't know this yet, but he's he's going to have to fork that over at some point. So <laughs> I have to have that. That's just a great piece. He uh, does not respond well to the pleas of focus collectors. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know he does, and I'm going to have to find something to tempt him with. I think so. So, but, so uh, if if I were to say that I had that, would you know what kind of baggie was attached to it? Would it most likely be just a standard baggie, or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. those, those are typically standard baggies. Yeah, and that would not be considered category five. That would be considered whatever category it is stapled to something yeah. else. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But now that I've done this research, I realize that all of the QC samples that are baggies stapled to index cards are all for the Macau factory. So that find must have been linked in with somebody who was doing QC for that factory, which must have been new at the time. So every single one of those QC samples stapled to that index card is a piece of history trying to make sure that the Macau factory is up to snuff. This is awesome. This is like another discovery. All right. Now, another rare piece that you guys seem to enjoy hearing about stuff that's rare is a small head Han. That's mm-hmm. that's another mm-hmm. piece that's really, really tough. Pete, you uh, you concur with that? Oh, absolutely, ridiculously difficult. Um, it is ridiculously tough to find. Um, that one that one was only piece, available in in one way, right? Well, that was that's previously what we thought. We thought oh. it was only in the special offer. Um, uh, what what piece was that that had the the, the X wing, or was it was something it the special else? offer? Gosh, it's probably remember. it's probably in here. I remember reading that some time back. <laughs> so anyway, that that was and and typically that piece it, it always turns it up in a Star Wars A bag, and the 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 tape is always yellowed to the point that it's either dried and come loose, or it's like just hanging on by a little tiny bit of sticky. Um, but um, Todd uh, has actually managed to, to turn up a couple other examples of a small head Han. So, um, but still ridiculously, ridiculously rare. And when those pieces turn up again, I mean, Pete, I, have you seen one sell recently? No, no, not in years, not in years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and, and it wasn't so, the X-Wing. It wasn't the X-Wing. Obviously. Yeah, the X-Wing. So it was, it was in the special right. offer X-Wing. So the special offer X-Wing itself is really rare. Right. And then we would just have a couple figures included in it. And the only way to find it, wow. So that's rare within rare within rare. But listen, yep. my computer is telling me that this interview is over because it's saying low battery and it's in the other room. But I did want to do one more thing. I wanted to have a competitive market watch against Fratastic Pete. Are you up for it, Pete? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and Bill, as one of the old guard, you'll be great because you'll be able to, to, to say, oh man, I can't believe that price is crazy. So uh, I'm going to go get the, the, the power charger and I'm going to use the restroom and get some water and then we'll have a crazy market watch against Fratastic Pete. $1 Vlicks Market Watch Alright, I just uh, came back from the bathroom. They were having some kind of discussion about how to set up and what it's like being a dealer at conventions. And uh, it turns out the answer is, it sucks! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Sky, by the way, the one question you didn't ask that I thought you were going to ask, and yes. maybe it's because it's obvious, but there is no vinyl cape Jawa in a baggie. 
Ah, I ah. So this is a uh, this is a Kivecast first, where Steve has a market watch for Forlom, and we are actually here with the other market watcher. So we're gonna see if you're able to stump the chumps, Pete. If you're able to beat uh, Bill and I at this game, and as always, part of the rule is. You know, you, you write down what you think it is, and you don't change it, and then we read out our scores, and we see who's closer. And whoever's the closest gets gets the point, right? Right. Good. Do we have prices right rules on it if you go over? No. You're out. No, no. It's, just, it's just closest. The the only rule is you can't, you know, listen to everyone else and go, oh, well, if you think it's 500, I think it's more. Like, you have to write it down. Yep. Okay. So, you now may begin, Steve. All right. So... We have six auctions here, and they're all carded figures. Uh, we'll start off with some ESB48C for alarms, okay? So up first, we have, it's an ungraded one. Uh, the bubble looks to be nice and clear. The card is uh, not punched. It has a price sticker. It looks like the card back might be a little bit wavy, but it's not graded. So that's, that's number one. Okay, not graded ESB48C. Forlom. Uh, okay. I have my number written down. You guys have your numbers written down? Yep. Okay. I went either high, low, or right on the money with uh, $301. Okay. I am really low. I'm going 175 Okay. And Bill? I was uh, 275 Okay. Well, this is kind of an outlier. It sold for 413. So. Oh yeah. Wow. It, Sky boy. takes number 1. <laughs> All right. Kappa new. <laughs> Job Sky. Uh, I get credit for that too, don't I, Sky, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 Bill, you and I are on the on the same team. That's right. We're on a team. Good job. <laughs> That's right. What? This is 2 on 1. Who said that? Oh man. I need Mike here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so up next, we have another 48C. This one is graded AFA 75. So the subgrades are uh, C75, 80, and F90. Now, I don't – let's take that for what it's worth. Um, okay. So, yeah, so, graded example. So this is tricky because anybody who wants a, a, a graded ESB forlom, you know, there's only – this is it. 48C is basically the only way. There's only yellow. Is it a uh, Y designation? No, no Y designation. Ooh. Okay. All right. So I'm going to write down. Unpunched. 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 Graded a uh, graded a 75 overall. Okay, I am ready. Okay, okay Sky. I wrote 291 dollars. I think that okay. it's going to get. Less because it's a low grade. I would um, be on the same page as you, Sky, but I actually went to three fifty. Three fifty, okay. And Bill, I'm at three twenty five. Three twenty five. Well, that one went for three sixty one. So oh. that that gives that goes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> He's cheating. He already has the answers. Okay. <laughs> Well, so, right. so 375, you know, that's that, that's cool because I, what I was thinking was that there was a chance that it would be really hard to find a Forlom 48C. Like, it would be really hard to, like, get any kind of ESP Forlom. 
But if you can get one for under 500 bucks, that's not, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not surprised at all that the 75 got less than uh, the ungraded one. It just seems like 75 is either in line or about 5-10% below what the what a copy of the ungraded would be. It just seems like 75 is either in line or about 5-10% below what the what a copy of the ungraded would be. Huh. Well, that's good, good to know. That's some market watching. That's <laughs> what we do, man. <laughs> All right. Um, so up next, let's see what we got here. Okay. So we're going to go into some Jedi figures. Uh, we have, it's a 48D uh, graded AFA 80 with the yellow designation. Okay. Uh, so 80, yeah. Y80, yep. Return of the Jedi 48, Forlom. <sighs> yeah. Punched or unpunched? Uh, it's unpunched. Unpunched. All right. Uh, All right. I have my number written down. I've got mine. Okay. I, wrote, I wrote down $202. Go two. Okay. And Pete? 175 175 Ah, oh, Pete. You know, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'll, I'll say 185 185 Okay. 260. Wow. Man. So Sky again. Wow. I uh I'm I'm known for my humility, Sky. so I, I'm not gonna bask in this in this uh I'm just riding your coattails, baby. It, this might be two months in a row of me winning this game. This is weird. <laughs> um okay, so we got a couple more. What's up next here? Okay. Uh so this is a, a Jedi sixty five A. Uh, graded AFA 80. Uh, the bubble is clear and it is unpunched. AFA 80? Yep. Clear bubble, unpunched. You want me to shoot first this time, Sky? Sure. Okay. I'm going to go 315. 315, okay. And uh, I, I went high because everybody's crazy. So I wrote, I wrote five hundred and two dollars. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I don't like what, that laugh. Wait a minute, what am I missing here? This is a sixty-five A Jedi mm-hmm. four bomb with a yellow bubble. No, no, name. not clear not bubble. yellow. Clear oh, clear bubble. bubble, clear bubble. Okay, yeah. clear bubble. Wow. Um, well, I'm way off because I I had two hundred. Two twenty-seven. Oh, so, hey, wow. not way off. <laughs> All right. Okay, I was so, way off. Did I win? Yeah, you got that one. <laughs> nice. Sweet. Adding padding so our, our little lead. scramble here, you finally you finally got to use one of my shots. That's awesome. <laughs> you have no idea how embarrassed I am missing the two Jedi ones so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so we've got one last Jedi one. This one's the uh, 77 back. Uh, it's not graded. The bubble is clear and it's unpunched. It's got a couple price tags on it. Um, that's about it. The card looks maybe just a little bit wavy, but it looks pretty nice. So seventy-seven back. All right. All right. Um, I'm gonna go a buck fifty. A buck fifty, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you see, I went a lot more than a dollar fifty, but that's what he said, so that's what's going to count. Uh, so I said a hundred and ten bucks and fifty cents. I'm at I'm at one twenty five. Okay, one second. So Bill, you said one twenty five, 
and Pete were... 125. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So this one went for exactly 125. <laughs> yeah, baby. Whoa. With a three-point bonus for going right on the money, Thank you. Bill runs away four to two to one. <laughs> so there you have it. There you have it. So Bill got congratulations. Bill got two. Bill. Sky got two. <laughs> yeah, you are now the you are now the other half of the market watch. I'm sorry to tell you, Pete. It's been a good run. <laughs> Thank you for your. You service. know what? I thought I was supposed to report the news, not guess the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Pete. Oh, man. That's good. That's good. Congrats. Yeah. So the the one the one weird one, yeah, was that first one for over 400, the, the ungraded one. So. Yeah. There you go. Uh, wow. Well, that was fun. That was yeah. Fun. yeah, it was fun. Then I think the only thing we have left to do then is, uh, uh, Pete, we did the lightning round with you in the past, right? Um, Kind of, yeah, kind of. I think uh, when, uh, shoot, we're both Mike, it was when both Mike and I were on, we kind of did half and half of that. Like, he did half of the questions and I did half of the questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> was that what was that? Fifteen years ago? Oh. Something like that. <laughs> okay, so then, then, uh, then maybe we'll do the same thing again. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll ask Bill. Bill, are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. Okay. Uh, Steve, should I even ask the stupid? What's your favorite bad line? Do people like that? <laughs> uh, it's it's always interesting. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie? Uh, is this prequels included? Sure. Uh, oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, well, uh, any any line from the scene from Attack of the Clones when Padme and Anakin are rolling around in the uh, in the little field there, or he's feeding her this little uh, a little piece of fruit. Any one of those lines, worst ever. Uh, Master Obi Wan would be very grumpy if he saw me doing this. <laughs> there it is. Yes. <laughs> Master yeah, Obi Wan would be yeah, very go. grumpy. There you go. Okay. In the event that your house was uh, unfortunately burning down and you had to <laughs> grab one item, uh, what would it be? Oh man. Oh wow. Uh, it would probably be. I guess it would probably be my proto-molded, hand-painted Luke Jedi with the um, proto-weapons and the uh, really dark brown cape. That's probably that's probably what I would grab. I'm sorry, that's the wrong answer. That is, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the the correct answer is the Luke Jedi photo art. That that is. Uh, um, well, I was gonna say the, a close second is the photo art. Yeah, no, that's that's first. I'm sorry. We can let your proto okay. whatever just burn up because that photo art. <laughs> my God, that is awesome. <sighs> it's Thanks. it's rare that I ever get to correct somebody on this, Steve. But uh, I, I had to correct them because the world will not notice losing another whatever hard copy flippy doppy. But that photo art. Okay. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm I'm, a, I'm famous for my love of, of 2D materials. Okay, uh, do Understood. do you have a Grail? Um, a Grail that I I I don't own. Yes, I guess you mean. Um, you know, I I'd like to own 
you know, I'd love to own a piece of wax in, in my focus. I don't, I don't think that's probably going to happen. Um, uh, I, but I would love to own uh, an actual sculpt. Um, you know, of, of, um, of, any, of anything. The, you know, I, I would, I would take anything. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I won't be greedy and say it has to be Luke Jedi. It can be just, it can be anything. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, I'd like to have the Luke and robes. I think that would be a great piece, uh, be a, a nice compliment to the, to the run I've got, you know, put together. But again, you know, I, it's so tough. I mean, I know this is probably a whole separate segment, but, uh, the market is just so crazy. And, and, you know, I, people ask me all the time for my opinion on the values of certain pre-production pieces. And, and it's gotten to the point where I just, I, I've almost stopped answering because I, I don't know how to price this stuff anymore. It's so, crazy um so like for the luke and robes it's a great piece i'd love to own it but i'm sure wishing that i'd ponied up the forty five hundred dollars that i probably could have got it for when kathy auctioned it off years ago through her little email auction uh as opposed to now um when it's probably going to cost me 30 or thirty five thousand dollars. i just can't you know i can't justify that kind of price tag at this point right so so the luke, I'd love to luke have and it. robes we talked about that maybe Three or four years ago. Yeah, it was um, a while ago, yeah. So that's the prototype. It was featured in a German catalog, right? Or a French catalog. Yes, that's right. It's featured in a French it's, catalog. Yeah, and it's a Luke Skywalker <clears throat> figure that looks different. It's a Luke Jedi figure in which he has molded robes, right? That's correct. That's right. And, that's exactly right. And there's only one of those known? No, no, there's more than one. I mean, I, I don't know that I know the exact numbers. I, I, I think there's probably, you know, two or three, maybe four out there. Uh, not many, for sure. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like the bald-headed emperor. It's sort of yep. super rare, yep. totally think... awesome. You definitely should have yep. probably bought it before 2013. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... You know, uh, when, again, when Kathy did her her little auction, then I mean, at the time, forty five hundred dollars was a lot of money. I yeah. Mean, it was, mm-hmm. You know, it was just it was unheard of at that time to really pony up that kind of money for a for a hard copy. Now, um, you know, nowadays I don't think you could touch a you you that might get you an arm and a leg. You know, for right. certain characters. <laughs> you know, that's really, that's really funny. Uh. Yeah, like a real one would cost you an arm and a leg. Otherwise, you just have to get an arm and a leg. <laughs> yep. That's right. Now, now the final question, Bill, is is the most complicated. Okay. And we'll probably end up having to just kill a little bit of time talking to Pete um, while you think about the answer. But if you okay. were a piece of vintage Star Wars memorabilia, which one would you be? Not what would you like to be, but if you could actually encapsulate your personality, your essence. In a piece of oh. vintage Star Wars memorabilia, what would you think? Okay, Pete, why, why don't you and I talk? Like how I, how I can't price my own collection. <laughs> hey, none of us can. So, no. <laughs> so should we check back on Bill see if he has an answer to this question? <laughs> well, see, you threw me off when you threw in the the line about my essence. What's my essence? Yes. Because so, my initial response was going to be uh, Chewbacca bot bag. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm probably going to. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Why, why would you be a Chewbacca bot bag? 
Um, well, if you, for those of you that have never seen me without a shirt, that, that's your first clue. Um, my wife, my, uh, my wife, God love her. She, uh, she saw me, uh, and was smitten to see this would have been back in like 93, I guess. I think I had an Alonzo morning, uh, Jersey on. And, uh, I remember she's like, why are you wearing that? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, look at your back. I'm like, what's wrong with it? It's just got a little hair on it, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite hairy. Uh, and the bob bag thing, you know, man, come on. If you're married, you got a bunch of kids, you, you feel a little beat up on every now and then. So. <laughs> but you keep coming back for more. So that's the beauty of the bob that's bag. That's right. That's what the text says. I love them. It's like beat the crap out of Chew and he comes back for more. But, and I'm just resilient. I keep coming back. That's right. But of course, the Chewbacca bot bag also features the early art, which was before Lucas put the, his foot down about Chewbacca ever looking angry. So he is a pretty <laughs> angry looking Chewy. He's not cute. He's more fierce. <laughs> I don't think I'm too angry. I'm, no. I'm pretty laid back. Yeah, I, I think uh, that, that, that comes through. So awesome, guys. Uh, thank you for enlightening right. us about baggies and multi-packs and, uh, and everything. Is my, is my check in the mail? Scott? Yes, yeah. Well, you know, I was wondering, you. Steve, should I, should I do a market awesome. watch with Pete to ask him how much does he think a, 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 a Chewbacca 12 uh, – Chewbacca a SWB Bees? Kenner baggie should go for? Because <laughs> if he says it's a lot more than, than it's priced, then – I wouldn't want him to try to raise it, but if he says it's a lot less, then I wouldn't want him to feel weird that he's selling it super high. So I didn't know, Steve. Should I ask Pete? Pete, you know the drill here. I know the drill. I know, I know, and 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 I I have to I have to slam the fact that you know Chewy is a focus collecting character. I mean, it's not Han Solo, but no, (laughs) (laughs) no. I wouldn't even know where to go, man. I, honestly, with with a chewy baggie, depending on which one it was, they're all over the place. Maybe a hundred bones on it. Um, all right. which, oh man, I'm getting <laughs> such a bargain. It's ninety nine dollars. Yes, <laughs> suck it, Bill. Perfect, I got you. <laughs> uh, That's funny because I, I, if you'd asked me, I was going to say I thought I had eighty five on it. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll accept 85. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and and you also, free, you but... also have a troopy baggie, which I'm kind of excited about. Because um, oh. uh, you, you may not know if you don't watch Facebook, uh, Bill, uh, I've been really working on having everyone call stormtroopers troopies. Don't, don't listen to him. <laughs> and uh, so this is a troopy <laughs> baggie. So that's pretty – you have that for 75. <laughs> and, uh, I can make, we can make a package deal here. Yeah, so. yeah, maybe. For I'll, I'll hook you up. A troopy baggy and a chewy baggy. <laughs> troopy baggy and chewy baggy. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, de- definitely, that will be uh, probably by the next time I record. I'll take a picture with my uh, with my baggy. <laughs> so awesome, cool. Well, That's yeah, awesome. good night, guys, and uh, we'll see you at the next celebration and hopefully sooner. Absolutely, take guys, care, guys. It was a pleasure. All right. Have a good Thank night. You.
All right, Steve. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was, that was great. <laughs> it, it was fun because I really have never seen Bill away from Tracy. Yeah, no, when I you mentioned that, I don't think yeah. we've ever had Tracy on the show, have we? I don't think so. Um, well, we should, really, so we should really remedy that because Tracy Hamilton has contributed a lot to this this hobby. Absolutely. Um, and it is really funny to have... You know what it's like? It's like it's like one of the, it's like the KB two packs when they don't quite go together. Or it's like a multi pack where the figures don't quite go together. You know, like yeah. like Bill and Tracy. It's like you know the R two and and three PO. But but like having fantastic Pete and Bill is like having like a, a Gamorrean guard and and like uh, like a stormtrooper. It's like ah, or troopy. Sorry. Oh jeez. Oh, a, a gammy and a troopy. Oh, stop it. Hey, people do say gammy. That's not me. I, I, I know. <laughs> oh, All right, Steve. Man. Well, I, that, I believe, brings an end to our show. I think so. Yeah. You know, that, when you just mentioned Tracy, that gives me an idea. And I don't know if we talked about this before, but did we want to do, like, an episode with the removable limbs 3PO and the sensor scope R2 to try and get some some previously un, unspoken to guests on the show? Yes. Want to try that? Yeah, that sounds fun. Okay. We should we should try that, and maybe even before we start with Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Because those are Empire fun. figures. Yeah, yeah. Good good thinking, Steve. Well, right. we already talked about the feedback a little bit. I don't actually have the mental energy at this point. <laughs> um, I'm fighting sickness and uh, rabies. <laughs> <laughs> But that does just leave one last thing to do, everybody. Oh, God. I I already know where this is going. I, I feel like I've tanked and gone to last place by now. Well, the thing is, Steve, this year has been by far the worst year I've ever had at Fantasy Baseball. <laughs> I've made stupid trades. I've picked up the wrong prospects. I drafted poorly. I've done everything terrible. Like, my team is a mess. Like, there's no way I'm going to win this year. No matter how inherently amazing I am at the sport. Um, so, but you, you, you will beat me. That, that's a given. Well, that's the nice thing, Steve, that I just discovered. I, I actually I am now beating you. <laughs> it was actually only yesterday... <clears throat> That you uh, dipped below me. Uh, you are at 54, and I am at 55. Of course. Not yeah. even at the all-star break yet. Yeah, yeah. not even at the all-star break. So yeah. that's our exciting news. So next month we'll either talk about other stuff or we'll talk about... Right. <laughs> either way, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So. All right, cool. Well, then, uh, Wampa Wampa. Adios. Star Wars figures, R2-D2, Chewbacca, Luke, and Princess Leia, they're the Star Wars early bird set of figures. These action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores with its colorful Star Wars picture display set and certificate.